He's nobody's fool, huh? Yeah. Well, he's drunk. He's drunk with the greed of his youth and his speed. Oh, Cal. Stop rhyming, you know what that means, huh? Yeah. Well, I'm not crazy, man! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Silver and Gold! Coming to the ring from parts unknown at a combined weight of 853 pounds, Piccolo and Dr. Zong! Welcome, welcome, welcome. Episode 5, Silver and Gold on the air. I am the loaf, pickle loaf, and with me on my lap, Dr. Zom. Thank you once again for uh, uh, Reverend Scott and um, uh, P.S. Michael Hayes for the lovely intro. And you guys heard uh, fucking crazy Dennis Hopper there too. Shirtless, sexy baby. I it, it it took all I had again not to chuckle during that intro. Um, we'll talk about that again a little later during our review of. Well, I guess I'll talk about the two movies. Uh, we have 1981's uh, King of the Mountain, and was starring uh, Harry Hamlin and almost 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 starring Dennis Hopper, and um, 1978 is the other one. Eric Roberts, uh, Sterling Hayden, Susan Sarandon, King of the Gypsies. Quite different movies, but I guess this is our royalty double feature. This is one we can obviously revisit. Um, so, before we get into that, uh, what's on? How have you been this week? I've been uh, been doing real well. I've been hanging out, hanging loose, just being real cool, playing it close to the vest. You know, just kind of taking it easy and... Uh, yeah, just keeping it on the down low. The DL. Fucking A. Yeah, I've, uh, I've had a busy week. Uh, my new schedule and stuff, I've talked about it already. I'm working seven days a week, but um, getting into a groove at the, uh, at the theater. I'm now managing, uh, managing the movie theater, which is quite a transition. I never thought I would be in kind of retail management. It's, it's different. but You're the man now. I'm one of the men. You're putting the screws to the working man. Fuck them all. Mm. Um, and uh, Zom and I were just talking about um, uh, just singing the praises of uh, pre-moistened adult ass wipes. Yes. Let me tell you. I, I, I first learned about these from Kevin Smith on his podcast. And um, I, was, I, was, uh, I was a holdout. I was like, yeah, that's going to be gross. But let me tell you, if you haven't used one, you haven't lived. Well, I'll be honest with you. Um, I think... It's almost like when you were saying that about the first time that uh, I heard the term someone tossing your salad. <laughs> and a uh, guy at work was telling us about uh, 
you know, some a girl had heard uh, the term tossing, having your salad tossed, and she said, you know, called this one guy. She said, "Hey, do you know what uh, having your salad tossed is?" And and he goes, "Yeah, you know." And she goes, "Oh, that's so gross." And he goes, "Don't knock it until you try it." And <laughs> I personally thought the same thing, you know, ah, you know, but then, you know, every once in a while you run across some, uh, as they say, in, said in Miller's Crossing, a sick twist and, uh, you know, you're not expecting it. And the next thing you know, don't knock it until you try it. And those pre-moistened towelettes, yeah. just like a moist cow tongue right between the cheeks. If, hey, and if that cow tongue was, was cool to the touch and had a light powdery scent, it would be even better. Yes. Well, some of, most of the cow tongues I've had uh, are more like uh, dry and, and smell like beer. <laughs> but uh, I digress. Bovine. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's uh, let's get into what we've been watching this week. I'll let you go first as usual. God, you're gonna hate my guts. Oh God, you got like thirty, don't you? Well. All right. I'll run through them pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> got a lot of time on my hands daddy if you will you know sometimes when you're sitting around and you got nothing to do you're popping a movie so i'm gonna go real quick through this like a dust day went through holly race for the world heavyweight title <laughs> okay number one i finally broke down and i saw the movie hannah on uh comcast in demand and um I was uh, uh, Mr. Chris tried to sour me on this, even though he hadn't seen it, and he uh, kind of uh, said, "Oh, we've seen this a million times before. I don't even care if I see it. It's uh, they take a kid or a person or a woman or whatever and turn them into the great assassin that can beat everybody." Blah 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 blah. And um, you know, he said, "Oh, it's just uh, La Femme Nikita done over again." Well, um. Of course, the storyline, you know, hey, cowboys and Indians, cowboys go out and do this, blah, blah, blah. It's the same thing. Uh, car movies are the same thing. But it's how it was done. And it was done really differently. And the acting was really good. Uh, Kate Blanchett was just, I thought she was awesome in it. Uh, she pretty much kind of stole the show. And uh, I, I don't know what it is about her. But she kind of she kind of turns my crank a little bit. Oh, Blanchett and, is hot. Yeah, and she was kind of an evil, you know. And she did some different accents in this. Yeah, yeah, she is kind of hot. So anyway, I recommend it. Um, it so, the music in it is uh, the Chemical Brothers, so hmm. it's really unique and it's different and not what you expect. So in other words, you're saying, Mr. Chris, fuck off. You're wrong. Well, I'm saying, Mr. Chris, uh, before <laughs> you review a movie, you should watch it. Yeah. Yeah, take that. You know, you can't go in the ring unprepared, Daddy. And if you don't watch the movie to start with, you can't really form an opinion, if you will. (laughs) Anyway, Daddy, uh, moving right along uh, with the American Dream is going to talk about a movie called The American Buffalo. And uh, have you seen this, American Buffalo? I have not. It's a mammoth movie. And it stars Dustin Hoffman and Dennis Franz. Uh, who was Sipowitz on whatever the hell that TV show, NYPD Blue? And like, yes, and like to show his bottom. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the story was was pretty good, and, and you know it was all right. It was it was a you know kind of a small, uh, low budget uh, kind of uh, uh, heist movie. The guys were you know kind of um, lower class people that were just trying to you know figure out a way to 
make a big score, but their big score wasn't even a big score because it was it was a big score for them. Uh, but it had that mammoth dialogue, and it's like, uh, "What are you doing, Bill? What are you doing, Bill? Bill, what are you doing, Bill?" And it's like, "Jesus Christ, okay, I get it. You you know sometimes you hit and miss, but." Sometimes it can be really annoying. Yeah. Uh, so it was all right. It was worth a watch. I'd never seen it. Uh, moving right along uh, to a close to, I would give this a, one a nine out of ten uh, mm-hmm. stars or dildos or whatever. Uh, <laughs> the Trip with Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon. Uh, and if you're not familiar with what movie I'm talking about, it's the one that the, the clip went viral on YouTube. My name is Michael Caine. And Michael Caine, when he talks loud, he talks very loud indeed. And they, you know, but um, I guess it was a TV show. And if you want to hear more about this, listen to the Hamicus podcast, which I co-hosted with my good friend Bryn yesterday when he gets it up on iTunes. Uh, We talk a lot about it because he, uh, because he's from over there, uh, he has seen uh, the, uh, the TV show. Uh, that Coogan and Bryden did, and this is basically kind of like they made a movie out of it. I hadn't seen any of it except for that clip of the Michael Caine going back and forth doing Michael Caine impersonations. It's fucking funny. Um, when you do the in-demand thing on Comcast, they, it'll say, like, you have 48 hours to view this movie. Well, you can watch it as many times as you want in that 48 hours. And when I had this past weekend off, I think I watched it three times. Nice. Um, fantastic, fantastic scenery of the, you know, British countryside. And when they're driving from one place to the next, uh, it's just a beautiful movie to watch and it's fucking funny. Uh, next one I won't talk too much about cause I watched it, uh, for about the fourth time cause it's on FX every other day, which is Wolverine with Hugh Jackman, uh, Danny Houston and. Didn't you watch this like two weeks ago and said you didn't even like it? I watched it last. I watched it the last show we did. Uh, so we'll just keep on moving. But, you know, I don't know. It's on. Um, uh, the next one, I went on a little bit of a uh, So Bad It's Good, cheapy uh, drive-in movie, um, kind of a spree. Not, not a spree, but two movies. One of them was called Wheels of Terror from 1990. Starring Joanna Cassidy, and it does have a connection with the movies we're reviewing this week because the director Chris Kane was actually in King of the Mount. Nice. Uh, it's a um, almost not like a uh, almost like a, uh, the movie Duel with Dennis Weaver, sort of like that. Okay. Uh, because there's this really ugly like uh, mm-hmm. chow, uh, challenger. Uh, that's really dirty. You can't even see in the windows and everything, but it's terrorizing this woman who drives a school bus. And, um, you know, uh, it's not that they're just terrorizing the school bus, but there's a series of uh, kids that are being abducted. And some of them they actually find and they've been sexually molested, and some of them they find and they've been sexually molested and they're dead. And, um, you know, you have a lot of uh, the – she drives the kind of like the short bus. Mm Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, it's just a short bus. It's not like you know for special needs kids or anything. Right. She has a she has a short the short bus that she drives, and um, she, you know she's on the road, and here comes this car, and it tries to run her off the road and everything. And and uh, but Joanna Cassidy looked pretty damn good, you know, for for uh, at the time I'd say she might have been late thirties, maybe forty, and she was pretty hot. She was in uh, Blade Runner, so um, good looking woman. 
Um, but you know, it's a drive-in movie, and you know, it was on YouTube in like nine parts, so I watched it. Uh, the next thing uh, I got. Um, somebody had for sale the first season of Lucky Louie, the Louis C.K. HBO show. And so I sat there this weekend when I wasn't watching the trip um, and watched all of those. And um, there was one thing. The reason I mentioned it is because there was something in it that that surprised me because I didn't expect it. You know, I watched the FX show, and um, uh, it's funny. And the only word that they beep out on that show is the F word. Right. but on Lucky Louie, uh, I didn't know that they showed so much cock. <laughs> and they do. I saw Louis C.K.'s cock, and the guy that plays his brother-in-law comes out. At, like, he stopped over at their apartment and he's, you know, to use their shower, and Louis's sitting there eating cereal in the morning. And he comes out of the shower, and he's got a big plush towel around his – you know, most guys, you know, you put a towel when you get out of the shower, you put it around your waist. Yeah. Well, he had it like a woman up around his, like – chest and he's standing there talking to louis he said hey louis man thanks for letting me use your shower dude and everything and he's like oh that's okay and he's eating you know honeycombs or whatever is it jim and, norton the guy with the shaved head no 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 mm-hmm. the, his his brother-in-law is the guy looks really fit but he's like a stoner kind of and uh and remember. he always wears a leather jacket um and like a like a disco shirt with a wife beater underneath and and he just he's standing there talking to Louis C.K. and he just stretches and the damn towel comes all the way up and his dick is like right in his face. He's like leaning back going, uh and Louis C.K. just looks over and here's this cock and you're seeing it, you know? And so that surprised me. So you got to see some cock and you got to see some butt, you know, men, not but not women. You they must, you know, see the humor in the uncomfortableness of seeing dick. No female cock to be seen. No female cock to be seen. Uh, next movie was my second of the double feature of drive-in uh, kind of car movies, and it was called Thunder Run, 1986, starring Forrest Tucker and uh, an old uh, kind of favorite um, actor who played Johnny Ringo in Gunfight at OK Corral with Burt Lancaster and Kirk Douglas, and that's uh, John Ireland. And he was in it, he was pretty old in this. And uh, Forrest Tucker, uh, this is a little bit of trivia uh, from oh Hollywood Babylon books, was known for his big donkey dick uh, in real <laughs> life. Um, this one has uh, they they uh, there are terrorists, and one of the terrorists was the ball headed guy from L.A. Law that was a lawyer, and um, they are trying to steal this plutonium. So. Forrest Tucker had been a truck driver and had been in the Korean War, and his buddy who works for like the CIA says, "Hey, you know, can you drive this truck for us? We're going to set up a thing where we're going to catch these guys." And they soup the truck up and turn it into like almost like a Mad Max truck. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of it was kind of entertaining. It had a girl in it called named uh, Cheryl M. Lynn, and I just mentioned her because okay, she was this blonde, like really long, kind of bleach blonde hair, and. um First of all, my note says she was a member of the Itty Bitty Titty Committee, which we which we have mentioned before. But not only that, but even though she was kind of kind of hot, if you looked at her a certain way, she kind of looked like Johnny from The Karate Kid. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, next movie, and I mean, I'm running through these quick, baby. Um, uh, we're we're getting this uh, getting this time thing down. Um, so I'm going to start watching even more movies so we can even get more. In. Uh, <laughs> The next one is Red State, uh, the Kevin uh, Smith 
uh, the guy who introduced you to the butt wipes. Yeah. Uh, starring Michael Parks and uh, John Goodman. Um, it's not a bad movie, but it's not like anything, you know, that I was like, get, got, I was excited about it because I've watched a lot of stuff about the Westboro Baptist Church, including Kevin Smith going and protesting them while they're protesting and stuff like that. And I know he just kind of used that idea of them as the kind of thing for the what got the ball rolling for this movie but michael parks is good in it uh other than that they didn't make it enough of a horror movie if they would have went more horror and more you know brutal and stuff like that i think it would have been better they had some of that in there but it was like it didn't know what it wanted to be and then it was trying to make a political statement uh toward the end and it just kind of like i just it just didn't do it for me i you know if i had to rate it i'd give it like maybe a a six or something but uh, i really was interested in seeing it because i wanted to see what it was going to be but it just you know i don't know it just was kind of like uh next thing i watched was a um documentary called it's a natural national geographic documentary uh about the aryan brotherhood and uh, this was – it's on Netflix Instant Watch. And is it, it's is real, it in prison? Yeah. Well, they're, oh, yeah. They're, they are a prison – they are the supreme honky white uh, prison gang. Yeah. I, I, I saw this with my wife. It was, yeah. All those things always horrify me. Well, and, and the thing that interests me about them is um, even though, like, say, in, in prison, it's, you know – they say if you're not racist before you go in prison, you might not be racist, but you you have to be when you're in prison because if you're white, you're not supposed to associate with the Latinos or the blacks and vice versa, and you have to kind of gang up. And um, if there were were two or three hundred of this uh, African American gang or a uh, Hispanic gang, there might only be you know a hundred of these guys, but they run everything. Right. Because they're so vicious and they're so they, – they talked about their, their code. Like uh, they said while other guys are sitting in there reading Playboy magazine and, um, and uh, motorcycle magazines, they read like uh, The Art of War. They read philosophy. They, they read about you – know, teach themselves how to box and martial arts and uh, read like old – like Louis L'Amour Westerns because they said, you know, we – we are like gunfighters and we go by that code and, you know, they're not even, they did, even though they're called the Aryan brotherhood, they're not even as much a racist gang. Right. You know, they're just, they're just the shit, you know, I mean, for prison gangs anyway, but it was really, it was really good. And, um, the next thing I watched was Frost Nixon with, uh, Franklin Jella and Michael Sheen. That was really um, good. yeah. And, um, that goes back to the trip because, uh, Coogan and uh, uh, Bryden, they're going uh, on a like a tour of these different bre- bed and breakfasts and stopping in these you know really fancy restaurants and like reviewing them. And it's as they sit at the table talking, you get all the funny stuff. And they actually talk about uh, Coogan was up for the role of David Frost, and he didn't get it. Michael Sheen got it, and they start doing impressions of him and everything. Mm-hmm. And so, but I I thought it was pretty good. I thought you know uh, I heard some people talk shit on uh, Franklin Jella for his role as Dick Nixon. And, you know, you're not going to, 
I mean, I guess you could get somebody to go in and do an impression of Richard Nixon or whatever, but I thought he did a pretty good job. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was a good, you know, a pretty good movie. I actually lived back then, and I remember when they did those um, interviews, you know, the interviews and everything. But I thought it was it was pretty good. This is the second time I'd seen it. Uh, next thing, um, this goes to our Streets of Fire chick, Diane Lane, um, and it's a um, movie called Unfaithful uh, with Richard Gere and Diane Lane, and um, Richard Gere's her husband, and she's a MILF, and she's bored, and she meets some young dude, young, uh, I guess, like, Hispanic hottie, who would, I can't remember what the guy's name is, but he would be like the Antonio Banderas of that generation, a younger guy, and uh, he just bangs the shit out of her, and, you know, every <laughs> every way, you know, all over the place, and makes her come millions of times, and, and uh, but anyway, it was a, it was a, uh, pretty hot movie uh diane lane uh when you look at her in um streets of fire as young as she was and then you watch this and she's a damn fine looking milf you know uh she's she's aged well uh and um to bring this up that's this is going to segue into something else i discovered a uh, podcast called movie geek united yeah i saw you mention that yeah and um they had an interview with michael Perret on there and that's what got me first i was like oh shit you know i gotta listen to this First of all, you know, Michael Perret, you see him in these movies and you you would think he's just kind of a, a I don't know, muscle head or something like that. And and same, I listened to a, an interview they had on there with Armada Sante and it was really good too. And I mean, these guys are thinkers, you know, and they talk about film and they talk about working on the stage and they talk about the directors they work with. And it's not just, you know, yeah, it was really cool, fuck yeah, and everything. I mean, they're intelligent guys. So it's not like our show. Yeah, it's not like our show. Uh, <laughs> we're intelligent guys too. <laughs> Fuck yeah! Um, but uh, Michael Perret talks about uh, on the um, set of Streets of Fire that uh, Diane Lane actually, in makeup, got her her final report card from high school. So that tells you we're going <laughs> from that to unfaithful with you know her being a you know forty year old but you know woman. Um, moving right along though. Um, the movie Fletch uh, with Chevy Chase nice. and one of our favorites, Joe Don Baker. Uh, Tim Matheson, who played Otter in Animal House. I hadn't seen this in a long time, and um, I remembered it fondly because I remembered it being, you know, it's one of those movies. It's it's just, I don't, I mean, I put it in there with like uh, Animal House, uh, Caddyshack, and movies of uh, uh, Stripes, yeah. Ghostbusters, and stuff like that. Uh, some really good comedies from the... Uh, from the um, guys that were originally on, um, you know, Saturday Night Live, and uh, Chevy Chase, um, you know, he was the first one to leave. He was the first one to, to get real stardom, and he wasn't even supposed to be on Saturday Night, Li- Saturday Night Live. He was a writer, and then you know he got the last place because he was really funny, and they said we got to put you on here. And he became a huge star, and he left, you know. And uh, then I think he kind of got a big head. But this movie, he was still really funny because he made, you know, this like the movie with Goldie Hawn and um, and did some good movies. But then it was a double feature because we had Fletch. And then the second one was Fletch Lives. Oh. And I don't know if that's when he really jumped the shark because I, I can't remember if he did a lot of good or bad stuff after that. But Fletch Lives fucking sucked. <laughs> And I remember going to see Fletch Lives in the theater, 
with my friends and we were like, yeah, Fletch was really fucking funny. This is going to be good, you know? And we went to see it and we were like, oh, this was bad. And I had the same feeling when I was watching it the other night. This is bad. Let's see. I'm, I'm looking. Go ahead. Uh, I'm looking to see if Fletch lives with the beginning of the end. Uh, well, I heard he kind of started turning into a real asshole. He went back and did a... Um, oh, that was 89. Oof. He went back and did a guest host thing on Saturday Night Live, and uh, him and Bill Murray, uh, Bill Murray almost punched him out because he was acting like such a prima donna and such an asshole. But he was probably doing some drugs. I mean, I don't know. I'm not specu. I mean, I'm kind of speculating, but you know. Caddyshack uh, Two came right before Fletch Lives. Yeah, Caddyshack Two. Yeah, it wasn't really the greatest <laughs> either. Um, next one was a documentary on um, William S. Burrow. Burroughs, uh, a man within, and um, started watching this the other night. Um, because I like to, I like doc, good documentaries, and, uh, and this was pretty good. It had a lot of different people speaking, you know, talking about him, and they had like Allen Ginsberg, and uh, they talked about the Beat Generation, and you know what they were doing, and and he was, you know, kind of a almost like a walking contradiction, uh, because you know here he is this uh, this poet, but uh, you know he let's put it this way some of his poetry would fit in well with uh like how we talk on this show mm-hmm. with you know the fucks and the cunts and the shits and the pisses and stuff like that and <laughs> the fucks and the cunts and the shits and the, shits and the, shits and the, pisses. And the pisses and um but uh then he he was almost like hunter s thompson before his time mm-hmm. because he liked guns and stuff like that and he was gay and you know so like i said as chris christopherson would say he's a walking contradiction partly truth and partly fiction and that because we like to tie things together on silver and gold at least i do because i'm manic as hell uh that song uh, that Chris Christopherson wrote was actually about Dennis Hopper. Uh, and then it ended up, he said, as it went along, he wrote it about Johnny Cash and other people, but it was basically about Dennis Hopper. Um, see him wasted on the sidewalk in his jacket and his jeans and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, moving right along, as I digress deep into the pit of my anus. Uh, <laughs> and this this movie comes deep from the pit of somebody's anus, The Mexican <laughs> with Brad Pitt and uh, Julia Roberts. Oh, I'm not seeing that one. I know the well, cover. It actually, I watched this several times, and I didn't even know that Gene Hackman was in it, because when I would watch it, I would never make it through. I I, I watched <laughs> it the first time and it sucked, and then I thought, well, I'll give it another chance. And I watched it again. And I never made it to the end. And then you know, last night I actually kind of made it toward the end, and uh, here's Gene Hackman. I'm like, fuck, this has a good cast. <laughs> Ed Pitt, uh, Julia Roberts, James Gandolfini, Gene Hackman. And Julia Roberts, even though her hair was kind of like in a bob deal, um, we were talking on Facebook the other day, and somebody brought her up. And I said, you know, hey, I'm not going to lie, because I, if I, it's like music. If I like Cheap Trick back in the, you know, late 70s early 80s or whatever you know i'm not going to say oh i don't i never liked them or disco right. or something if i liked it i liked it and uh, i wanted to fuck julia roberts at one time and she still looked pretty damn good in this movie and uh, and you know i actually just said the f word and was very <laughs> vulgar about it but it's the truth and and she and she um, she looked pretty good i don't know what it was but the disturbing thing about that is when i was watching king of the gypsies when you watch Eric Roberts talk and you look at his mouth, mm-hmm. he ha- they have the exact same mouth because wow. they're brother and sister. Right. And so I think that, yeah, I'd have to do her doggy style. And um, So you don't and think she, about Eric Roberts or 
Yeah, and she kind of looks like the Joker if you put makeup on her from Batman sometimes because she has that big smile. But yeah, and she she got a nice big wide butt in uh, Pretty Woman. So I mean, why are we talking about this anyway? Would you next, would you face Eric Roberts? <laughs> would, I, would I face her? You know what, Eric Roberts? If if I was gay, big if. Moving right along. Um, nah, <laughs> I'm not going to go down there. Uh, go, go down that path. But I will say this. Uh, if <laughs> <laughs> from watching too many uh, 19, early, late 70s, early 80s uh, taboo uh, X-rated movies where it was like Kay Parker and she'd be end up screwing her son and everything. Uh, if Julia Roberts and Eric Roberts wanted to have a threesome and I didn't have to cross swords with him, <laughs> what the hell? I'd throw down. It's not, she's not my sister. Anyway, uh, and they don't even like each other, which would make it even better because it's like when people like don't like each other or hate each other, throw them in there and make them have sex. Makes it more exciting. We're oh. learning a lot today. You know, like Bryn has the learn about you through films. You're learning about me through my perversions. My perverted. I'm tired right now. I'm sleepy. So I'm, stuff's just coming out of my mouth. Uh, last on, one, on. and we're going to wrap this up. Yeah. <laughs> And throw in a cricket, too. I don't give a shit. They can have a butthole. Um, <laughs> a Buddy Holly. Throw him in there. I don't care. Uh, oh, last man. one I watched uh, this morning um, while we were, you know, sitting here uh, was uh, Shutter Island, which I purchased on iTunes, and I own it legally. <laughs> nice. So, Congrats. Up anytime I want and watch it on iTunes on my computer screen, and it looks good. And I'm going to tell you something, people. Um, I've seen this movie several times and I'll, I'm, it's one that just continues to grow on me. I think I like it more every time I watch it. It's by that Martin guy that we watched yeah. the boxcar Bertha, right? And just the, 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 you know, the way he shot it and the camera camera, how he shot every scene and everything. And I don't give a fuck, you know, will you don't like Leonardo DiCaprio. You said he was, you know, uh, on the level of Mark Wahlberg, I'm sorry, I beg to differ with you. Speaking I, of threesomes, yeah, no, I wouldn't put <laughs> Wahlberg in uh, in a uh, Flintstones uh, cartoon commercial for vitamins or whatever. You don't like Mark Wahlberg, that's right. I find him to be a complete hack. <laughs> I don't care. He is whatever. But anyway, you know, like I said, hey. If you like him, great. If he if he works for you, that's fine. He doesn't work for me, so I don't uh, I don't like him. Um, other than that, the only other thing I wanted to add was um, if you guys get a chance, uh, there's a really cool guy who's got a book coming out, or it's out now, and you can pick it up on Amazon. And I know a lot of people out there that listen to our podcast and like the kind of movies that we like have probably seen the movie Mad Max. And if you want to read a really cool book about a really interesting guy, uh, Roger Ward, who played Fifi, who was the police chief or police captain, Mad Max's boss in the movie Mad Max, uh, his book, The Set, is actually out right now. And you can pick it up on Amazon. And I got mine on the way. Should be getting in the mail soon. And I'm going to be reading it from cover to cover because this guy is really cool. He's a hell of a nice guy. I talked to him several, several times, uh, and uh, just a, a 
great guy. I don't even talk to him about movies. We talk about he he was a, a, a professional wrestler at one time and wrestled for Jim Barnett's um, World Championship Wrestling out of Australia. And um, Jim Barnett later on became, you know, uh, like the owner or whatever of Georgia Championship Wrestling, and which turned into World Championship Wrestling out of Georgia in the United States, but Roger, uh, wrestled for him and his promotion. So we talk a lot about wrestling and we talk about, uh, motorcycles cause he used to ride motorcycles. He was in the movie, the Australian motorcycle movie stone. And he was in the man from Hong Kong. He's in a lot of movies. Escape 2000. Uh, I just got escape 2000. Uh, Turkey was the Turkey shoot. Turkey shoot. Yeah. This is, this is the, a sign of a problem when at the exact same moment, on Amazon, you order a DVD of Escape 2000 and, just for shits and giggles, the VHS as well. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? The VHS was only like 40 cents, but yeah. still. But I'll tell you what, you know, I, like I said, I haven't read the book because I haven't got it yet. But uh, just from talking to the guy and just because he has traveled like everywhere. And like I said, he was a pro wrestler, you know, rides motorcycles. Uh, he's been in all, all these movies and stuff. And uh, he can talk, you know, uh, Brian Trenchard Smith working with him and, you know, working with Mel Gibson and the guys, you know, that he's worked with in all these movies. I think it's going to be a good book. And like I said, he's a just a hell of a nice guy. And if you, you know, if you can and you want to read something really cool, uh, pick up that book. You know, I think it's I think it's going to be uh, something that you'll really like. We should really do some Trenchard Smith. Anyway, the, yeah, the Roger Ward thing. Um, he does seem like a really great guy. I've not, I've, I'm friends with him on Facebook, but haven't really talked to him. I know, I know, um, I know you have, and he actually sent us an email uh, with a couple um, links to interviews. Um, I can post them on the Facebook group. Right. We we did post the um, links to buy his book on there. Um, oh. But yeah, seems like a cool guy. Just you know, sent us a sent us an email wishing us good luck on the podcast and thanking us for plugging his book and everything. So. And and like I said, you know, you, you there there are several people on Facebook, uh, like people that have been in movies and things like that, and they'll have you know a Facebook page, and you send them a friend request and everything, and you know you, you can say, hey, I have a big titted Susie from uh, Gator Bait or something. I don't know what movie I'm even talking about, but somebody like that, and you'll never hear from them, you'll never talk to them, they never post anything. Roger's the kind of guy uh, that you know, like I said, I just out of the blue thought you know hey man he was in stone and mad max and stuff and uh i sent him some pictures of my motorcycles and he's like telling me about you know what they rode in stone and and uh then we started talking about wrestling and he's just a cool guy yeah awesome yeah so the set the name of his book so mm -hmm. um i'll get into what i've been watching um You're done. you know with my uh my new position as the man at the theater um, <clears throat> I got an email from, uh, I guess a promoter, producer, I don't know exactly what his role is, but um, he's kind of plugging some Alex Cox movies. Um, Alex Cox, the guy that directed, um, uh, 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 oh, Jesus Christ, I just totally had a brain fart. Um, so there's a guy named Alex Cox, it's not just your you, your nickname. Right, right, no, it's C-O-X. Oh, okay. Um, sorry, Sid and Nancy and Repo Man, Jesus Christ. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, he uh, apparently was on a little uh, Mexican exile in the early 90s. Um, he did a movie down there called Highway Patrolman. Um, so this guy kind of is sent us an email at the theater saying, you know, we found we've unearthed this print that's subtitled in UK and we're going to try to, you know, distribute it and blah, blah, blah. 
Um, and he asked if we wanted a screener. So I was like, hell yeah, give me a screener. So I watched Highway Patrol Man. Um, huh. Interesting movie. It's it's uh, about a guy that just becomes a highway patrolman in like bumfuck Mexico. Um, it is a Mexican movie. It is not, you know, there's no English in it. It's, um, I mean, Mexican actors. Um, is bumfuck Mexico? Is that like near Tijuana or is that further south? Uh, it's What's a it little, called? It's a little uh, east. What's the movie called? Because I'm writing it down. Highway Patrol Man. Highway Patrol Man. Yep. Um, it's uh, apparently like uh, Alex Cox. I don't know what was going on. I don't know a lot about him outside of the, the movies I've seen, but he left Hollywood for a bit, and this was something he did while in Mexico away from Hollywood. So, um, Interesting movie. Uh, lots, of, uh, lots of hilariously shitty cars in it, um, including a gremlin. Oh God! That sounds like the cars I drove in college. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, that was it. Was solid. I don't, I don't know how easy it is to track down. Maybe after, maybe if this um, if they get some publicity from um, mm-hmm. dis- distribution, they'll be able to release a, a true DVD of it. Because this was definitely just a burned DVD that he sent me in a clear case. So um, I watched uh, for the first time, um, embarrassingly enough, the Adventures of Ford Fairlane. Um, this one missed me for whatever reason back in the day. Never caught around to it, and it was pretty fucking funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I posted a clip from it on the <laughs> on the Facebook group when he comes up to the sorority house, and that was that was comedic genius right there. <laughs> I, I'm surprised that you know, you know, just you saying that. I'm really surprised that because of that movie that um, Andrew Dice Clay didn't uh, didn't do anything else. You know. Similar to that, or you know, on like a you know kind of action, yeah. I mean, because I thought it was, I thought he did a pretty good job. He you know? did. I think, I think people kind. Of, I don't know. He probably had some personal stuff going on. I think he. Well, didn't just they kind of tired of his shtick? Well, he and I think that he got. They got a lot of. If I remember correctly, he started getting a lot of uh, uh, backlash with you know oh, he's just vulgar and blah, blah. you know that was back when there was a lot of horse shit going around. With censor censorship, right. with uh, uh, was it Tipper Gore or somebody like oh, that? Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, fuck you. Oh, Tipper, I, I wouldn't have a threesome with her. But you know what? But I would have a threesome with her with Julia Roberts, Al Gore, and <laughs> and Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, the um, uh, well, yeah, no, you don't want to add. That's that's. I mean, you know, I like to have a, a balance. Yeah, it's not a threesome anymore. Yeah, the uh, I just um, I had the IMDb page for Ford Fairlane open, and there's a little pop-up ad on the side for Drive. I can't fucking wait for Drive. Yeah, I was, just, I was I, just saying last night. I don't know who I'm uh, who I'm gayer for, Christina Hendricks or Ryan Gosling. Dude, right. <laughs> now I, I don't feel so bad. You're just saying that to make me feel not so bad about like Eric Roberts and Julia Roberts. Listen, I Gosling was not even on my radar at all at any point until I saw uh, Blue Valentine, and he's just. Oh, so good in that. And then I still have, I don't even know if I've seen anything else with him. I'm sure I have, but Dude, have you seen The Believer? Uh-uh. Where he plays the neo not the the neo Nazi guy? I have not. Fuck, you got to watch that movie. Fuck. Fuck. I'm serious, man. That movie's fucking Daddy. Terror bam bam Gordy likes that movie, Daddy. <laughs> That's the truth. All right. So uh, I watched um I watched for the very first time and uh, I I've got a problem that in my uh, my movie catalog that I see a lot of like first movies and then don't see sequels that were actually decent. 
Um, and, and one of them is Hellbound, Hellraiser 2. Um, Hellraiser, I probably saw it when it first came out on video, and I've seen it dozens of times probably, and I've never seen Hellraiser 2. So I finally watched that, and it was good shit. Um, good, uh, the Hellraisers, that was uh, Hawk, Road Warrior Hawk, and oh, who was the Japanese guy? Because Animal got hurt, and uh, then he had a partner, and they were the Hellraisers in Japan. I have no idea, but uh, I need to track those down. Yeah, yeah well. Um, so yeah, Hellraiser 2. I give it a definite thumbs up. I mean, it's uh, really fucking bizarre, but I love I it. I saw the first one, I, and I like it. I've said a million times before, I'm not a horror guy, and I'm not a gore guy or anything, but I remember the first one being, you know, just being, you know, kind of, um, I mean, if I liked it, and I'm not into that kind of stuff. I th- it was just interesting, you know. Yeah, it's a it's it, it touches on some cool stuff like, as yeah. far as like, the theme wise, and then it was different. The 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 set design and costume design I thought was really cool. Um, it's uh, yeah. definitely stood out from you know the typical horror fair. Now, did they play the Ramon song "Pinhead"? <laughs> 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 or was that before or after? I can't. Talk, yeah, talk about a mood killer. Gaba gaba hey. <laughs> The um okay, and then I watched. I should have been watching the movies for the show this week at this time, but I decided to watch uh, the Bollywood. Well, it's not really Bollywood, but it's called Inhiran. It's a it's the robot. Um, it's kind of like iRobot and Terminator mixed together. Um, it's almost three hours long, hmm. and it stars this guy Rajnikanth who. He, I think his name. I think he's actually credited as Superstar Rajni in the in the credits. Nice. Um, I like I like his style. This guy is not a very good actor. He's kind of I don't know. He's probably fifty, and in the in the movie, he's got this girlfriend that's like twenty two. But he, they're supposed to be about the same age, and which that happens a lot in Indian cinema. But yeah. um, this is actually a Tamil movie, so Bollywood's really um, they're filmed in a certain location. They're in their Hindi. Um, this movie was in Tamil, which is another Indian language, and um, it was the most expensive Indian movie ever made. Hmm. Um, that said, it's an $80 million budget. A lot of our movies just blow that out of the water still, and it right. shows. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's very corny at times. The last 50 minutes are some of the most insane I've ever seen in, in, in an Indian really? movie. It's really... It's, I mean, the robot g- turns bad um, and starts p- reproducing himself, and uh, they have the power of magnetism, so they can stick themselves together. And you might have seen the clips of it. They like form a big uh, sphere with machine guns and just like roll around over people and shooting guns, and they, it forms into a big snake. And it's 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 absurd. But what's this one called? In Hiran. It's it's a little tough to track down, and I'll tell you why. It's because the um, there, I don't think there's any set or any uh, nation's movies that are pirated worse than Indian movies. Yeah. Um, so it's hard a lot of times to track down a legit DVD or whatever of an Indian movie because you'll get something that's fucking cropped to full screen or the subtitles yeah. will be fucked up because everybody will just just burn stuff and sell it and it's 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 a little ridiculous. So um, I'll help you get a copy if you want. Um, okay. I, I well, when you said about the magnets and the uh, big sphere and everything, you know that that kind of sold me just right there. I just want to see that. Yeah, you know, uh, you can see probably that find rolling the clips around. for it. The um, I mean, in the, in the CGI is really really dodgy, but you know, it's it's funny, um, it's entertaining. The uh, I, 
I was watching it and um, kind of thinking, how could I edit this down to be like a, a an American feature length? Because two hours forty five or whatever it is is a little too long. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot too long. It could, I could cut an hour out of this, and I, I was trying to figure out where I would do it, and it would make it a pretty solid kind of B movie, I think. So, anyway, um, speaking of B movies, we'll go to a Z movie here: East LA Warriors. <laughs> oh, wow. Z movie. It's no, nah. it's it's embarrassing. <laughs> nice. uh, this is not. I, I didn't know what this movie was was going to be exactly, and ooh, it's it's pretty shit from from start to finish. So yeah, sometimes you have that. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to catch this in a better mood. For me, it was not very entertaining in the in its ineptitude. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some really uh, funny stuff with uh, like poor martial arts and stuff, but the a lot of it just kind of was just like, ah, okay, bad acting. I get it. Um, yeah. um, and then opposite of that, I watched uh, a very early Hammer film, Curse of Frankenstein. Mm. Um, I, I saw that. Yeah, this is one I'd I'd started before because I was watching the, and when I watched the beginning, I was like, "This sounds really familiar. I, I think I've seen this." And then when it shows young Frankenstein, um, I, uh, I that's when I recognize it. But apparently, I stopped watching it soon after that. But it was it was it was good. I mean, um, it's it's like if I if I see more horror, Hammer films, if a lot of them of in the fifties and maybe sixties are of this quality i would say i'd probably like them better than the universal just right. because they're a little sleazier which is more it's better for me i think mm-hmm. <laughs> um not a lot of uh standard hammer cleavage in this one but you definitely yeah. get the uh the uh the gore factor and you know they would get gory even, gore, even more gory later on but um last night while cataloging dvds it's a very slow process but i put in um meeting people is easy the grant gee uh, or G is it Gee or G? Um, I think it's Gee. Gee. It, I have no idea. I just you know. <laughs> it's a. It's a. It sounded like I knew what I was talking about. Kind of a Radiohead documentary. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it was it was done in 1998, and this is this is right after OK Computer came out, and this I guess I guess they were small still, small-ish. They had had like one hit with Creep, but all of a sudden the you know the music media is saying they're the biggest thing since the Beatles. And so the movie is kind of like one showing some live stuff and, and whatever, but the, the whole point of it is kind of like uh, showing their having to deal with the sudden fame that they've gathered and like, they're very awkward about it. And um, it's a cool, it's a cool documentary. It's very, it's very, it's very nineties in the way it's filmed, but it's, um, and, and I'm a, I'm a huge Radiohead fan. I mean, that's probably my number one band for years and years. Um, I think it's funny that, like, uh, you know, and I don't think any band has come out and said, you know, we're we're the next Beatles or we're bigger than the Beatles. But just to tell, just to you know, give you a hint of of how big the Beatles were, everybody else is saying, you know, we're the next Beatles or we're, the, you know, they're as they're bigger than the Beatles or whatever. And the Beatles said we're we're uh, bigger than Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. So you know, didn't that that did go over too well with some people? Right, but, right, right. Uh, but yeah, well, Radiohead wasn't saying that we're bigger than Beatles. It was the media saying, yeah, you know, yeah. hey, this guy, these guys might be, you know, they're 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 going to be huge and blah blah blah. And Radiohead's the like, oh, we're just like making noise, man. You know. 
Um, and then uh, this morning, right before we started recording, I watched Lonely Are the Brave. This was uh, something recommended to me probably a couple years ago by uh, Violent J. Oh, I mean, uh, I mean, Fake Shemp. Violent J. <laughs> <laughs> the goddamn insane clown. He's a big. Post. He's a big ICP fan, I think. Yeah. Um, the uh, <laughs> and Shaggy too dope. Yep. Um, but yeah, Lonely Other Brave with uh, Kirk Douglas and really, really good. This one was. Um, it's. Uh, I guess it's a western. Really more of like a guy on the run from the police movie, but um, uh, Walter Matthau's good in it and. Um, not a huge role, but I liked him. I liked his character a lot, and um, it got me a little choked up there. And I won't get into why, but um, definitely recommend Lonely or the Brave if you haven't seen that one. So, um, so yeah, that was it for me. Uh, you got anything else to add? Um, let's see. What was the movie where they were trying to divide twelve thousand by four? Boxcar Bertha. Yeah, that's not adding though. That's division. Right. <laughs> okay, but anyway, no, 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 no. Uh, we we watched a shitload of movies. Let me tell you something, people. Let me tell you something, baby. Here, silver and gold. We don't let anything. We don't let the grass grow under our feet. We be watching films all day long, daddy. All day long, daddy. The uh... I'm starting to wonder what the fuck I do with my life. How do I watch all these movies? And now I kind of am starting to think, yeah, maybe that's why your stomach's kind of getting kind of fat. You know, and, and the you grass need to get grows out and under get some... our ass instead. Yeah, you need to get out and get some fucking exercise. I need to go for a walk. (laughs) All right, so um, let's let's do King of the Mountain first. How's that sound? Okay. All right, let's take a little break, and we'll come back and review Mr. Hanlon, Mr. Hoppe in King of the Mountain. We'll be right back. When you're watching movies, are you sick of remakes, reboots, reimaginings, reinventions and Reese Witherspoon? Are you fed up with movies where giant robots try to remake Enter the Dragon? Do you think that torture porn is vastly inferior to 1970s drive-in porn? Do you find Botoxed actresses with fake tits and action heroes with no chest hair a turn-off? Do movies where no single shot lasts more than two and a half seconds piss you off? Yeah, me too. That's why I do Paleo Cinema Podcast a podcast for films more than 20 years old. So if you think that Sid Charisse is a guy and that Myrna Loy is a kind of metal, you need Paleo Cinema Podcast. Go to paleo-cinema.com and do yourself a favour. Back from break. I did good on the music this week. I got three songs 
with the title King of. <laughs> you did good. King of Carrot Flowers is that one. So I like that. Neutral Milk Hotel. It's a cool, cool, very good album. I was just talking about that. So I, I dedicate this episode to my friend Philip, who we just had a nice 20-minute conversation the other night about this um, Airplane Flies High album by Neutral mm-hmm. Milk Hotel. So anyway. And, uh, that that Terry Frost, I like the way he talks. <laughs> He's got a pretty mouth. You got a pretty mouth on him. All right, so um, yeah, we're doing. Sorry, King of the Mountain. I just totally had a brain fart again. That's something wrong with me today. I, I feel very unprepared. Um, Hippo, King of the Mountain, 1981, uh, starring Harry Hamlin, Joseph Bottoms, Richard Cox, Dennis Hopper, Dan Haggerty, a bunch of other people I've not heard of. Um, directed by Noel Nosek. Um, I didn't, I was very lazy and did not even see what else he did. Um, probably nothing, probably a lot of TV (laughs) stuff because it felt like at times this felt like TV. Um, oh, look at that. He directed Hunter in 2003, whatever the fuck that is. My mom used to watch Hunter in the early Mm eighties. Um, so yeah, uh, King of the Mountain. Um, it's, uh, I'll go ahead and, uh, it's, uh, I'll, give, I'll give a synopsis and let uh, Zom take the lead here. Uh, a group of friends race their high-powered cars up and down a dangerous and deadly mountain road known as Mulholland Drive to see who can claim the title of King of the Hill. I guess that works. Um, so, yeah. yeah. You want to take the lead here? Well, um, I um, saw this movie um, many, many moons ago. Uh, being that I am very, very old, um, it makes me feel really bad. I was telling some people at work that I can actually say I saw a movie 35 years ago and I wasn't a baby. (laughs) I was 10 years old. Okay. So anyway, um, we used to, um, have a, uh, what they, you know, Back in the day, you, you had the TV that you actually had to get up and change the channel and turn mm-hmm. a dial and stuff like that. And um, we had some local channels that uh, they, they showed just about everything. We had you know, some Kung Fu theater, some Godzilla, and uh, you know Dennis Hopper movies, and uh, Spaghetti Westerns and everything. And uh, I caught uh, – I think King of the Mountain, uh, I was telling Loaf possibly – uh, since it was 1981, it might have been on HBO when HBO first came out, and they actually showed different stuff on HBO instead of showing like the same thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did, did, I fu- did I fucking say Dennis Hopper when I was listing the cast? <laughs> I think I just skipped right over. Is him. he in this? Briefly, I think he is. Actually, uh, well, yeah. For my, in my opinion, he's not in it enough. But you said some other people that you that you had never heard of, so you know, I yeah. don't know your experiences or whatever but uh this um, guy. he's gonna go places yeah guys that kid's gonna go places <laughs> um basically you have uh harry hamlin um and right off the bat um I, i'm not sure who wrote uh some of this stuff because it kind of reminded me now dalton and roadhouse didn't actually uh pontificate and speak you know like he was a uh a warrior poet philosopher of, you know, being a, 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 a bouncer in a bar, but, uh, Harry Hamlin is the King of the mountain. He's the guy that, um, he, 
he has raced his car so much and seen so, they, they this is just something that they do that they've grown up doing they've grown up watching people you know race these cars at night on uh, Mulholland Drive and um he's gotten to the point where he is just you know he said he could he could drive the entire thing with his eyes closed he knows every nook every cranny he knows where he's supposed to be when he's supposed to be there and everything else and um you know he's He's like a master, uh, like a master samurai, a master at anything. He's like if you're playing when you played video games and you got to the point where you could just go through and you could do no wrong and you were the shit. You know, Mm -hmm. he's the shit. Shit. But uh, at the beginning, they uh, as they're showing him, they they show a little run of him just by himself going through Mulholland uh, Drive. Uh, which is a really windy ass road. Um, he, it, it's during the day, and he, I guess he's just kind of taking a little cruise through there. And as he's doing it, uh, they have like a, him doing a little narration, and some of the stuff that he says is is um, it's it's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, roads a changing, roads a changing, uh, clear, clean, and fast. I wonder who it'll be tonight. I hope he's fast. And when he said, I wonder who it'll be tonight, I hope he's fast. I think I've been watching The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema uh, too much because I just started thinking, you know, I know, and I'm pretty sure that Loaf knows, and most of the people that watch this know, he's talking about racing cars. But if you think, you know, I wonder what, (laughs) I wonder who it'll be tonight, I hope he's fast, you know, it, 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 you know, you start thinking, okay, is Harry Hamlin like a street hustler who goes out and, you know, has sex with guys for money or something? I hope he's fast. Just get off me, dude. He uh, talk about a purred mouth. Now, this is, um, this is, Harry Hamlin had been in, I think, like maybe one other feature movie where he was just kind of in the cast. Mm-hmm. Maybe a couple. But this was the first one that he was in where he was really getting a push. Somebody saw him and they said, hey, this guy's handsome. And he's got a look. Let's give him a shot. And uh, he did this one, and then not too long after, did the um, release the Kraken movie. And uh, <laughs> uh, what the hell's it? I'm drawing a blank here. Clash of the Titans. Yeah. Um, that, that, that it's weird. As I was watching this, I actually took a note about it. It's like it was so weird hearing his voice in this movie. If I ever looked away, it's like I immediately thought of Clash of the Titans because right. that is what I knew Hamlin from. You know, you said growing up watching mm-hmm. certain things on the three channels. We also only had, you know, three or four channels growing up, and they, f- for some reason, played Clash of the Titans all the fucking time. Yeah, and well, that's that was the movie I knew him from. I didn't. I mean, I knew he was in L.A. Law later on, and and all that, but that's really the only thing I knew him from. So his voice is just like, his voice is a source of nostalgia for me. Yeah. And and um, I can't. I I racked my brain last night because I couldn't remember if you said this when we were discussing the movie, or if some one of my friends said it. But someone recently said that it would be real. It would have been really cool if, for a hood ornament on his uh, Porsche Speedster, he had that um, the robot, owl, the robot owl. <laughs> That would so, be awesome. I did not say that, but I yeah, wish I somebody had. said it. It was pretty. Maybe I dreamt it because I'm telling you what, people. And I usually don't divulge too much on this show because I don't want you to know about my preferences like sexually and my, my personal life. I usually keep it really close to the vest. That's true. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> this is totally out of the blue. 
because like I said, I, 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 I'm thinking, you know, God, did I dream that? Cause the only other person I talked to about this movie in the past week was you. And you said you didn't say that. Um, but so maybe I just dreamt that somebody said that because I have strange dreams. Now, we did talk about the middle owl at some point. Yeah, maybe. And why. then maybe I said, yeah, it would be cool if he had his hood ornament. But for some reason the other day, and I'm just throwing this out there and then we'll get back on track. Um, while I was sleeping and I even I found this to be so interesting and telling and kind of funny that I actually confessed this to my fellow coworkers. I was sitting at work, and all of a sudden, it just hit me. I had this dream, and it was pretty funny. And I told – there was three or four of us sitting around, and I said, you know what? Honest to God, I just remembered this. I had a dream before I came to work that I had, was having sex with Laverne and Shirley. <laughs> and everybody's laughing, and I'm like, yeah, you know, hey, Shlemiel, Shlemazel, you know. But I don't know why. I haven't been watching any of that stuff, but, you know. And Laverne was the one that was really getting some – Rocco Safrady like uh, fun time. Uh, anyway, but let's move on. <laughs> How do we get here? How do we? Yeah, <laughs> I am the king of the mountain. Uh, <laughs> I have not slept in a while. Uh, that's how we got here. Uh, but it was pretty funny. Anyway, um, Hamlin, he he has this look. Okay, he's one of these guys. They they've said I've heard several people say you know if you look at like some models or female movie stars or even male movie stars they they are almost on the verge of being unattractive if they went a little bit too far like their teeth were a little bit bigger they'd be like buck teeth or if their head was a little bit bigger they'd be mm-hmm. grotesque but right. it's just enough that it makes them stand out and doesn't make them look weird but it makes them stand out harry hamlin's a really good looking guy Okay, and I'm sure he probably modeled or something. Maybe I don't know, but he looks like he could have been in good shape and everything. But even though he's handsome, he has a slight Cro-Magnum uh, man, like caveman kind of look. Uh, <laughs> there are several times where you're watching this and you're thinking he could have been like um, one of the guys from like 2001 that had the bone, <laughs> or or like a Chaka. Uh, Ta and Saw that t- chased uh, Chaka around the land of the lost. Right, right. Uh, he's he's kind of got a, a, a Cro-Magnum-like looking face. Um, he, like I said, is the you know the the shit guy and everything. And he has these buddies, and I think they all. I'm pretty sure they all kind of live together. They're like roommates. Yeah. Um, one of the guys at right of, right off the bat, I was like, was that guy in cruising? And of course he was. Uh, that's the one that was the uh, the like uh, music producer. That's his friend. Okay. And uh, he was, uh, you know, of course in cruising, you know, they kind of went five different ways of who who the killer was and everything. But he was one of the guys that Al Pacino tried to pick up and screw to try and figure out who the killer was. Um, and then um, was it Joseph Bottoms or not? Uh, which Bottoms was it? Uh, Joseph Bottoms. Yeah, Joseph Bottoms. Okay. Uh, there's the Bottoms brothers, okay? And um, there's Sam, who I believe was in Apocalypse Now. And there is Timothy Bottoms, who was in The Paper Chase and in The Last Picture Show. And I like both of those guys. This guy, out of the three bro- brothers, he is Shemp. He is <laughs> uh, he's Stephen Baldwin. And I'm telling you what, people, this fucker 
was so obnoxious in this movie. And maybe it's just his character was obnoxious and he was playing it that way. Yeah. If it was, he was spot on because I could not stand him in this movie. And he really bugged the shit out of me because I thought he was really crappy. Yeah. I wasn't uh, a big fan of either of those two. Um, yeah. The other guy. And, and, even though Harry Hamlin is really into cars and he works at a uh, high performance like a uh, car shop where they yeah. fix like Porsches and Ferraris and stuff like that, um, his buddies are in the music business and uh, uh, Joseph Bottoms uh, is a keyboard player and a songwriter. And then his buddy, who is Richard Cox, who was in Cruisin', he is like kind of like the producer and he's trying to get them a, a record deal. And uh, Deborah Van Valkenburg. Uh, is in this, and she's the love interest, sure. and she's the singer, and she was in. You'll know her from the Warriors. She was the chick from the Warriors yep. that was Michael Beck's woman, and I always think of her when they showed her dirty feet and her pumps at the end of the Warriors. But she's not a bad looking, and she's another one. She kind of has an overbite, and she she's she's kind of like a hard kind of hard looking, but she really looks like a lot of the girls that I went to high school with. Who's so, she in that, Streets of Fire? And she was uh, Tom Cody's sister that owned the, oh, the, right, uh, right, the cafe. Right, right. And uh, so anyway, um, she's and, – and another thing that bugged me about this movie was um, – now, actually, Deborah Van Valkenburg's voice is not bad. She, if that was her singing, she can sing. The songs were kind of eh, – but, you know, kind of 80s and they yeah. were you know, cheesy or whatever. But every other – five seconds when these two dorks that are Harry Hamlin's friends and they've been friends forever because you can tell their buddies and everything. Yeah. They start singing and they like, if they say, you know, Hey loaf, I need to take a drink of this water. Hey loaf, I need to take a drink of this water. And then the other one jumps in, Hey loaf, I need to take a drink. Of this water. I need to take a drink of this water. And then they go and jump on the drums and one of them starts playing and they try and like riff and create something out of shit and yeah. they create shit because they <laughs> suck cock. Um, you know, the, um, what's her name? Uh, I don't even remember her name in the movie, Tina. She, yeah. uh, that she had like kind of a Stevie Nicks thing going. I thought mm-hmm. yeah, the, well, the sound anyway. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if that was her voice or not. Um, it I don't think like the music that that one song that they kept recording. I didn't think that was too bad. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. I, I wonder. I wonder. Uh, yeah, I can't remember what the hell that song was. But um, like I said, she wasn't that annoying because she didn't break out into song all the time. I was right. kind of hoping that we would get a little sexy time with her. You got a little nipple action at one point. You know, through the brawless shirt or whatever uh but you know not too much i don't ever remember her showing you know too much in any no. other movies. but uh now okay now so harry is pretty cool i mean he's like he's a cool guy he's yeah. he's not really loud he's not obnoxious and he, and and uh you know he likes to drive but he's he's kind of you know sits back and with these dorks and you know they're the friends from hell because they're just so stupid. They one guy makes like a, a submarine sandwich and they make just such a big deal out of it. And the other one comes in and sits on the couch like a girl and says, "You know, give me a bite." No, I have to have the first bite, and then I have to have the second bite and the third bite. Now you can have your bite, and it's like, God, are you guys the fucking? I would never live with them. They were just oh, they're horrible. And the one guy starts juggling. These uh, mil- like uh, I think it was Miller uh, beer cans, yeah. 
then they open them up and it's like, oh shit, the beer's going all over the place. Yeah, no shit, you were sitting there juggling them, you fucking moron. That's a that's a scene where um, Hamlin is is he's showing off his uh, Atari skills. He's so fucking yes. awesome at everything. He can play Atari by just flipping the switch on and off. <laughs> He doesn't even have the controller in his hand. He's just yeah. reaching up on the console, just turning the silver switch and doing now, awesome at this game. I'm trying to figure out what the Atari game was because I never saw that game. Now, I used to have a game. Okay, I didn't have Atari. Well, I had Atari, but I didn't have that on Atari. But I had this uh, computer called the Texas Instruments uh, mm-hmm. for T14A or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, I had this game on it called Car Wars. Mm-hmm. And in Car Wars, you play this one car, and you have to go around and pick up dots in this circular track, and then there's a black car trying to ram you, basically. It's going the opposite direction. It looked like that. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I don't know I, if it was called Car Wars, but... It, it, it seemed like it was something like that, because, you know, back then, there, there were, the graphics were basically, if, if you were a car, you were just a square dot, and then there was another <laughs> square dot, and you went through a maze or something. But that was kind of cool. You know, you got to see, because this was like in you know the early 80s, you got to see some stuff like that. Um um, Harry, I guess he works at this shop and you, you know, even though he lives with some dorks, you know, at least, uh, the guys at the shop are interesting. First of all, you have Grizzly Adams, uh, Dan Haggerty, um, and he's there, which was kind of cool because, you know, once he became Grizzly Adams, that's about all you saw him in. But, um, you know, he was in this and he was the kind of, I think like the manager or the guy that owned the shop or whatever. And then of course you have Dennis Hopper who works there too with some other guys but Dennis is uh, he is all the way out there in this movie because this was not Dennis uh, you know method acting this was Dennis when he was all the way out there wow. and he was jamming coke up his nose like as as fast as he could and drinking and taking every drug known to man this was uh I can't remember if it was at the same time or right about the same time as Apocalypse Now. This is after. It was after, but he this was before he cleaned up for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. For oh, it's fucking there's no sure. doubt that his look and his dialogue in this movie were not the result of creative yeah. above him. <laughs> the, the, his and and you you heard some of his dialogue at the beginning of the show. Uh, we <laughs> we kind of agree that that was not written. Uh, because you know you see like uh, the uh, the um, Heart of Darkness uh, documentary about Apocalypse Now, and a lot of the stuff he said is him just off the top of his head rambling because mm-hmm. he's just so manic because he's so wired, and you get a lot of that in this, which is fan fucking tastic to watch. And I agree with you. I mean, you know, Dennis Hopper was crazy as shit in this movie but it just watching him was great and i wish he would have been an even anymore now he had been in he had been a uh, a racer too there were several guys in the movie that had had uh, been involved in this because it was a thing that they did around that area and uh, that had either crashed and then never did it again and i think dennis hopper's uh carl that was his character um uh, he had been like one like the best. He was Harry Hamlin before, right? And um, now Harry Hamlin at the time, say he was in his like late twenties or whatever, and Dennis Hopper's like forty something. Dennis Hopper was him before. He was the guy that could drive the whole track and you know not even think about it and beat everybody and everything. Well, then he had crashed and it and it kind of messed his brain up. He said, 
Now, there's a lot of straight whiskey drinking in this movie, <laughs> including Deborah Van Valkenburg. Uh, you know, she meets Harry Hamlin and she's kind of like, hey, you know, and of course they click just like in a movie. This is the way it happens in real life. The girl looks at you across the room. <laughs> Next thing you know, you're driving down the road in her Citron. And uh, she says, reach in the glove compartment and get and then get uh, what's in there out. And it's a big bottle of Jack Daniels. And they just start drinking it straight out of the bottle, which I thought, you know. Sure, you know, uh, that's one thing I like about, you know, I look for in a chick is uh, a girl that like can just drink whiskey straight and it doesn't even and, affect her at all. And feels the need to store it in her glove compartment. Yeah, just to keep it in there because she, she needs it all the time. <laughs> um, they, Hopper is secretly kind of obsessing because uh, I think it's almost, it, it almost reminded me of the, the guys that played football, the Al Bundy guys that played football in high school, and they still walk around in their leather jacket, and they're like, you know, if I got out there, I could one more time, I could, I could go out there and kick those punks' asses oh, and everything. I love that episode of uh, of Married with Children when there's that new kid that's trying to beat his record. Yeah, and, you know, <laughs> and and but the sad part is, I know, you know, you know, just about everybody. The older you get, you know, people like that. And you're like, okay, you know, we were. 16 or 18 years old, you know, you were not, you were a high school football player. That was it. You didn't go to college. You didn't go to the pros. You didn't do anything. Well, that's kind of how Harper is. And he sits up on the hill and, and he's, everything about him is, um, damaged. Like, you know, he has a stopwatch and he just, he's like watches Harry Hamlin and he times him mm -hmm. and the stopwatch is all cracked up and broken. Hopper's while Harry Hamlin's driving this, uh, this, um, uh, Porsche Speedster that is just cool as shit. It's a 356 Speedster Porsche. Well, Hopper's driving a 1967 Stingray that is basically really ugly. <laughs> like, I mean, have a fucking hood. Doesn't have a hood. It doesn't have a back window. It's got primer and stuff all over it. The paint's just like really dull because he doesn't give a shit about what it looks like, but he's constantly bad. tuning it and everything. And, uh, and he looks like shit. He's you know, to, Ford, to, to keep our, our, um, our he looks like pattern he stinks. of smelly characters. Yeah, <laughs> he looks like he smells like whiskey and B.O. because he just drinks whiskey straight out of the bottle and and uh, and maybe smells like a little bit like piss. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he just sleeps in the garage. And yeah, he sleeps in the garage. Pile of boxes and or something. His hair, I couldn't believe how long it was. He had the ponytail, but man, when you looked, it went like almost all the way. I would have loved to have seen him take that ponytail out just one time because his hair was had to at least be down to his belly button, you know, in the in, in the front. And um, but he's watching him and. They show Harry Hamlin going out, and you know he he races against these kids, and the, his buddy's like, "Hey, you know we made. Why'd you make this bet? We don't have any money." And he just looks at the other car, and he's like, "You're not. We don't need any money." Because he right. he just he knows he goes, "I can beat all these guys. You know these are just young punks. I'm the shit." You know, so um, they kind of have the little love story and everything, and they have a, a, a kind of a side story about them trying to get a record contract. And Seymour Cassell shows up, and he's the kind of sleazy record producer. Well, and I, I like that guy a lot. Yeah, and he's he's good in just. And, and, I mean, God, he's been around forever. He was so fucking unconvincing. The way yeah. he kept saying "baby" and stuff. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and 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 they go to a party, and um, of course. There's going to be a conflict because the one guy's like, you know, 
the the obnoxious ass uh, Joseph Bottoms. You know, he's the writer, and he doesn't. I don't want to compromise our whatever, and you know, we need to do this together. And then Seymour Cassell's like, you know, okay, I like the chick. And, you know, okay, I'll do something with this guy, but, you know, and so it's, it ends up, you know, kind of like not a, so I guess like a betrayal or whatever of yeah. the, of the friendship and everything. But the one thing about that scene, they go to this, uh, this party, like, a mu- with a lot of people in the music business and sleazy people and everything. And, uh, he goes and gets, uh, De- or Tina and he takes her and he says, yeah, I want to introduce you to this. And Harry Hamlin's over there and. You know, he's like, I can't drink this shit. Let's get some beer, you know. And um, he looks over, and there's this guy with aviator sunglasses, um, a scarf around his neck, and a silk shirt that's unbuttoned all the way down to his belly button with the real hairy, you know, chest and stomach. And he's, like, kind of got his arm around uh, Tina. And Harry Hamill looks over, and he's like, fuck this shit. And he just, like, leaves. Um, but then... You know, you, you have the inevitable because things – Hopper starts to to kind of come undone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even, you know, and Harry Hamlin, there, there's a, even a time where he comes into the garage and he says, hey, you know, hey, Carl, I need to ask you something because he knew his story. He knew that he was the shit at one time and everything. And he says, you know, I, I kind of had this feeling – while I was driving the other day, and he goes, I don't know what it was. And Hopper's like, it's fear, man. It's fucking fear. And it's coming to get you. And it's going to do this. And it's it's got you. And it's it's that thing when your neck snaps back, and it comes up through the floor, and you're sitting there, and you're white-knuckled, and your asshole shrivels up, and you and it's coming for you, man. And he's just so fucking, you know, out there. I had to take a drink uh, <laughs> of some Jack Daniels straight from the bottle, baby. Jack Daniels. But uh, as it goes along, he starts kind of really being an asshole to Harry Hamlin. And they almost get into it, and then Grizzly Adams comes in. And, you know, he's huge. And he's like, listen, you little fucker, I don't care how doped up you are. Get back here and get to work. And uh, <laughs> so you know it's almost like the gunfighter deal where there's got to be a showdown. And um, I like the one part I was thinking, most of the race, I mean, when they raced, um, they always talked about they did it at night because, you know, that was one of the things at the beginning when Hamlin was talking, you know, doing some narration. He's like, you know, we race at night and the, the turns are tighter the straightaways are shorter and you know, you gotta, you gotta race on the edge or if you want to win and all yeah. this and that. And, um, so I kind of, that's one thing, uh, like a little question mark I had to ask you was because they had most of the racing. Now the, the, the grand finale, which, you know, I'm not giving anything away because when you watch the movie, you know, there's going to be a showdown Yeah, because Hopper just keeps egging him on and Harry Hamlin's kind of getting to the point where he's like, yeah, I don't know if I want to, you know, I, I have nothing. And everybody's even telling him. Dan Haggerty is even telling him, he says, dude, you know, you don't have anything to prove anymore. You know, you just, he get, he's, cause he asked him, he had been really good. And he said, you know, why did you quit? And he said, I just knew one day. It's almost like when you grow up, you know, it's mm-hmm. time to put away childish things. And Dan Haggerty said, you know, I just, one day I just was like, you know, I just don't want to do this anymore. You know, it's time to, fucking grow up and get yeah. a job and yeah, shit. Yeah. And um no, but um a lot of the races took place at night. Do you think that that kind of cuz you know in car movies, you know, you talk about great 
car chases and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. A great majority of these car chases, or not chases, but racing, took place at night, and you saw that you know the headlights and a lot of the stuff from the um, of the people in the cars from the the uh, instruments that you know yeah. they're lighted up, shining in their face or stuff like that. Um, and of course, the headlights—you had the big glow, the big halo yep. glow as they're going around and everything. I kind of thought, you know, it would have been at first. At first, I thought it might have been more effective and cooler because you could have seen more if they would have done it during the day. Yeah. But then when they got to the final race, and that was all in the all in daylight. broad daylight, that was a hell of a car cha- or a car. It, it, it was, and I think I, I think by filming at night, one. Um, well, it's, it's, it, it helped with a few things, and I, I think it was a good choice. Um, right. The his character, um, you know, saying that at the beginning mm-hmm. and having them only race at night, it makes it make sense. Well, and, um, and this act, this this stuff that they're doing, as far as I know, actually, they actually, you know, people actually did this and mm-hmm. maybe still do this, and they do do it at night because they they kind of shut off the the road, they put flares out like there's a wreck, so nobody will go through. And then they race, and it's because you know the cops and everything, and and uh, you know people are off work. It's when people, kids are out drinking and right. stuff. They want to go and get in trouble and shit. So, but like I said, I, at first I thought, you know, God, you know, I wish I could have seen more of the car stuff. But it was still compelling, and the and the racing was yeah. still good. And it's, it having it the, having a, having it at the daytime at the end, um, you felt like it was faster because you saw the road moving and you right. saw that thing. But I like the effect, um, like. A, I liked how the lights were blown out and, uh, you know, the, you, you get the strobe back and forth as they, they swerve in the road yeah. and stuff. And you don't get a real sense of the speed, but it's an, it was a nice stylistic thing, I think. And right. they, um, and, and again, I don't, I mean, you know, this is a pretty, I think this film's only on VHS. So the, you know, we watched a downloaded VHS. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. The, 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 it probably would have looked better if it was restored or in its original right. version, the night racing because so, yeah, I don't know if it was blown out because of the print or, or yeah. what, but I mean, uh, yeah, I, I could see where you're going, and it's it's uh, it's definitely uh, I think it works in the in the movie. It would be annoying in some movies, but it worked in it worked here. Well, I think I think um, I think Will from Gentleman's Guide would like this because at one point Harry Hamlin goes out on on the road by himself in the in the morning and just stops his car and gets out and like looks at the road because yeah. at the part where he felt something he he was with the girl in the car and he said did you feel that and it was just something odd that you know he knew the road and he never felt it before checked the car nothing wrong with the car so he goes out and looks at the road to see if there's any potholes or bumps or nothing. But when he gets out and he's walking over to look at the road and he crouches down, he had on these really cool cowboy boots. And I just thought, you know, Will would like this because you know, he's, he would probably look at that and think, man, I could have been like, you know, if I had a pair of like, but but brown cowboy boots that were kind of suede. That would have been hot. So it would have been cooler. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah the, um, I just wish they they went into that a lot more. Like the cowboy his, boots? No, well, yeah, that and the no the um, him being like such a a perfectionist with the road, right? Um, and and the drive, um, because there's a there's a scene uh with him and um, and singer lady, uh Tina that where they're talking about family stuff and she's yeah. from a big family or something and yeah. he was talking about his cold upbringing like his parents sleeping in different rooms or whatever and. And she says something like, I thought you were just shy. And he says, oh, I'm not exactly shy. I'm careful. 
Right. And I was like, I, I wrote that quote down. I'm like, yeah, that's uh, that's it. Yeah. I mean, like he's 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 always in tune. He's like Zen master when it comes to driving this certain part of the road. And there's no reason why. It's just kind of what happened. Um, I wish they focused a lot more on it because that right. was the interesting part of the story. That and the and um, Dennis Hopper being obsessed with him mm-hmm. in a different way. And then it, they, it, 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 I think that the because of when it was shot and it was the '80s, mm-hmm. like the early '80s. If this movie would have been made with like, you know, by William Friedkin or something like that in the the like say mid '70s or something something like that, but you get the '80s and the '80s. I'm I'm sorry. I grew up in the '80s, and I wasn't <laughs> wasn't that great. And the, the music, you know, it had that synthy, you know, kind of fucking shit <laughs> music. And then they had to kind of add the goofy roommates, which just really sucked. I mean, uh, there's a movie called The Last. I think The Last Run with George C. Scott, and he. It's you see the movie, um, The Driver with um, Brian O'Neill or driver with Ryan Gosling coming out. And it's that same thing where the guys are kind of either getaway drivers or former, you know, race car drivers or whatever. And they are that, that, uh, Oh my God, Christmas music. Wait a minute. All right. Hi, Mark blue shield. You can kiss my ass because I don't care why you're calling me. Um, anyway, um, yeah, I agree totally. This could have been so much, and and if they would have done, it, I think Harry Hamlin, you know, it would have elevated him instead of. I don't think the movie even. It came close to making its money back. It was about, I think, like three hundred thousand short or something yeah, yeah. like that. But it was just, it had that goofy '80s vibe that they tried to throw in there with it the is. guys, you know, the goofy roommates that are singing and acting stupid. And it, it, if it, they would have kept it really serious and hardcore, like I said, a lot of the racing stuff, I was like, man, that, especially that final race, I was like, wow, this yeah. is, you know, this was really cool. Um, yeah, the, uh, what I was, you know, I was referring earlier to the director that did a bunch of TV stuff and how this felt like TV. This felt like a good one hour movie yeah. with about 40 minutes of, okay, let's get on with it, like kind of yeah. fill, filled in there. Well, um, Like I said, I, I, I it, it would have been so much better, but it wasn't, yeah. and it wasn't awful. I, you know, I didn't sit there and think, and what, and I'll, and I'll be honest with you. One of the reasons that I suggested it, other than I said, you know, hey, we'll do like a, you know, a, a royalty king thing, you know, or whatever, um, was because I remembered how goofy and shitty those guys singing and stuff were and i thought i knew it was one of those ones that some of the stuff like that you could really riff on and 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 even though it's really sucky it's like shitty sucky 80s stuff that you can kind of you can kind of laugh at um because i knew it wasn't like a it's not like a i didn't think it was a great movie to start when i saw it i wasn't like hey lo if you guys it's the greatest fucking movie but uh, i knew that you know you could have some fun with it but it bordered on that that those guys were so obnoxious it bordered on really like almost it was treading water and being so obnoxious that it really was kind of getting on my nerves yeah talk about another one to edit down maybe i could edit this one down to like 50 minutes and then somehow edit it into the uh, tamil robot movie yeah <laughs> <laughs> dennis hopper inside that big ball you know cool. <laughs> 
I'm not crazy, man. But but if you like, I, I I've said before, um, I kind of had a Dennis Hopper thing going there for a while, and I went out and I found you know the last movie and got it, you know, Easy Rider, uh, American Friend, uh, Mad Dog Morgan, and uh, you know uh, some of these, like I said, they were showing on WBNS Channel Ten, you know, um, either late at night uh, during the week or at four o'clock in the afternoon and I'd see some of these Dennis Hopper movies and I had read, I was reading everything I could find reading about him. I don't know why I got on this Dennis Hopper kick. And if you like Dennis Hopper and you're a Dennis Hopper completionist or whatever, Mm -hmm. yeah, just watch it just to watch him in this because he's fucking bad shit, fucking nuts. It needed a lot more Hopper. Um, A lot more Hopper. That could have, if they'd focus more on that story and I I understand the whole music part. They, it, it, was a vehicle to get a certain character to a certain place. Yeah. Um, but it was too much. Like you didn't need the fucking dump truck to, uh, to transport <laughs> the little pile of dirt that they ultimately moved. Yeah. Um, the, uh, you know, back at the, the beginning of the movie, I, I had hopes for it from the, from the intro. I really like the, the, um, speak, uh, the speaking part at the beginning where it's showing Mulholland Drive from the air and mm-hmm. Hamlin's talking about racing at night and everything. And then when Roads he actually has changing. a right, he, he when he actually when he actually has a race and uh the helicopter pulls him over. <laughs> yeah, and the, the guy's like kind of like reading him his rights and, and kind of busting his balls from the helicopter. He's in the spotlight. He fucking puts pulls out this tape and play <laughs> plays Sticks Renegade. <laughs> yes. Unzips his his fantabulous uh, leather members-only jacket <laughs> and shows his chest, and it was like, <laughs> it's like, you know, when I when I get pulled over by the cops, I too like to show my chest off, but uh, I'm really more of a night ranger kind of guy when it comes to uh, music to blare on my cassette player. And and you know, I don't know, maybe certain people are different. You know, I've heard some of my friends, you know, they get pulled over by the cops and they act like assholes to the cops. <laughs> and I, I generally have found that that doesn't get you anywhere but in more trouble. And uh, the guy's like uh, to his buddy, you know, uh, what do you say? Like, you know, you're full of shit, kid. And he goes, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay. Oh, yeah. Do you know this guy? No, officer. Never seen him before. What are you doing out here? All just driving through. You're full of shit, kid. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I like when the, the, the helicopter had Harry Hamlin pulled over and they got that big spotlight on him. The guy in the helicopter, which I don't think they would ever do this. They're just hovering yeah. and just saying, you broke this code. You broke. You almost made it. You looked really good, kid, but you blew it. You broke this code and that code. And and he puts that cassette in and turns it up so loud that it just drowns them out. And he's just sitting there like, I don't give a fuck. I'm the king of the mouth. We'll go fuck me some Deborah Van Falkenberg. And the one part when when they were having their love scene, mm-hmm. and the two dorks are outside singing, the, yeah, singing. That that's it. but you know the one thing that really it reminded me of is like when I went to college and I had you know a roommate or roommates and shit like that. I mean now my roommates didn't sit out there like dorks, you know, playing the drums and and singing some dumb fucking song, you know, about me screwing the girl in the other room. But you know you always had stupid shit like that with roommates. You Definitely. know they're like, hey, he's in there with a girl, <laughs> and they're banging on the wall or something. And you just, oh, I hated those guys. I hated those guys. They were the worst part of the whole fucking movie. Yeah, I could definitely uh, see this movie getting like douched up for present day, like getting remade with like 
some like pretty like Zach Efron character <laughs> kind of doing the lead. I, I I could definitely see it getting remade to some you know modern day like car movie. But it'd be cool would... if they actually redid it and and did it you know in a cool way. Yeah. You know, because it, it and and like uh, the one thing that you know. I'm not like a huge car guy because I have friends that, you know, they know every car and they and they go to races and watch NASCAR and all this shit and everything. But like just the sound of Harry Hamlin's car, I mean, it was like, God, did that thing fucking just was growling. That yeah. was just so cool. You know, he had, he had a cool car. Well, I don't have, I, you know, I don't have a lot else to add, actually. I mean, I, this movie could have been more, and I've run into a, a lot of movies like that lately. Like I see the the potential in it, but it doesn't... Just doesn't live up to it, but um, we'll go ahead and uh, we'll let you score it. Oh, do I have to score it first? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. Um, I gave it a six. I mean, I, I because of Hopper, I thought Hamlin was pretty good. I thought he was cool. You know, I don't think he was like a great actor or anything, but he was he was good. He mm. had the look. He 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 fit the part. And um, the chick thing could have been left out. Hopper. Hamlin and the Cars and and uh, Grizzly Adams made it for me. And then the douche guys, the guys that were so douchey that it was unbelievable. If they would have just toned, like I said, they walked the edge of almost making being so obnoxious that it was I I, I was like ugh, it, it did, but it didn't kill the movie. So I'd give it about a six. Okay, that's fair. It's I worth be, watching, you know. I'm right there too. I, I'd give it a five point seven five out of ten. The um, there's a good movie in here just wrapped up in some stuff that just went on for too long. Um, and Harry Hamlin had some pretty pretty impressive hair. Yeah, there's a lot of good hair in this movie and a lot, a lot of good of, a lot of good man hair. And we got a lot of like post disco outfits and Yeah. and and his uh his members only bringing it back to the GGTMC style. This is his uh leather members only with the highlight of his accented pocket. Rocket uh, house. quite nice. So um yeah, there you have it our review of the unfortunately underwhelming um, King of the Mountain. Uh, we're going to take another break, and we will be back and do some King of the Gypsies. We'll Job. be right back. In a world that has a country called England, three cinephiles battle weekly against the onslaught of movie releases. They review dissect and discuss until each is defeated jordan is the host ian is the sweary one and noel is the grandpa and together they are the 35 millimeter heroes dig it bitches
right. Back from break. Little sparkle horse there. Little local talent, if you will. Baby. Uh, now uh, we're back to do a little review here of King of the Gypsies from 1978. His time is here. And he must carry on the tradition of ruling with vengeance. Now that's a synopsis right there. That's, uh, that's pretty short. It's pretty sweet. And I'm not sure it's, I guess it's accurate. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty broad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's, that's what it is. Uh, King of the Gypsies, 1978. This was uh, written by uh, Peter Moss, who uh, you will know from, uh, he wrote uh, the uh, book, uh, that was turned into the movie Serpico, and also the Valachi Papers, which starred Charles Bronson. Uh, directed and uh, uh, the screenplay was written by uh, Frank Pearson. It was directed by Frank Pearson, and uh, Frank Pearson um, wasn't sure. I was like, you know, what what do I know him from? Do I do I know him from anything? And I do. Uh, there's a movie called uh, Conspiracy uh, that uh, uh, Kenneth Branagh. Uh, was in um, about the Nazis uh, Wannsee conference when they got together and decided, hey, let's, uh, you know, this, these, these Jews, you know, we need to do something about them and, uh, you know, uh, deporting them, you know, it takes too long and blah, 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 blah. Let's just, let's just kill them all. Uh, and that's a true story. And it's a really, really good movie. Uh, it has uh, Colin uh, Firth in it too. A lot, it's, it's a, uh, just a lot of dialogue. Uh, but uh, very good. I recommend that one. Um, he also directed the uh, Looking Glass War with Anthony Hopkins and uh, Christopher Jones, which was a Jean Lacarre uh, book. Uh, he has the uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy coming out soon. He directed uh, Stars Born with Chris Christopherson, Chris Christopherson, and uh, Barbara Streisand, and Citizen Cone uh, with uh, James Woods and uh, our perennial favorite. Joe Don Baker. So uh, he's got, he's uh, directed some pretty good movies. Um, King, uh, I almost said King of the Mountain. King of the Gypsies is a um, a movie, another one, because I'm old. Saw a long time ago. And even though we were kind of doing a royalty thing, uh, another thing that we can uh, put together with these two movies uh, that have in common is uh, two young stars that uh, these were their first um, – the yeah. first movies that they were featured in, they were the main guys. Mm -hmm. uh, the first one was, you know, with Harry Hamlin, and this one, Eric Roberts. This was the first thing that he ever really did. That uh, he was the uh, the the cock of the walk and the main man in this movie. And uh, I thought he did pretty good. Yeah. But uh, you know, what do you think, Loaf? The um, <laughs> I, I I like the cast a lot. Um, you know, every, everywhere you look, another face popped up here. Um, you got. Uh, Sterling Hayden, who I, I feel like is eventually going to become one of our GGTMC-esque patron saints. Oh, um, I love Sterling Hayden. Sterling Hayden keep, is popping up a lot in our conversations. Um, Susan Sarandon, uh, who at times is very hot in the movie, and at other times just like, whoa, what happened? Yeah. Um, actually, Two-Face. Shows, shows a little boobage there. Uh, and not in a very sexy scene, though. Uh, Judd Hirsch, who I really only know from, like, what, Taxi and... Uh, and uh, uh Jesus H. Dear Christ. Um, bitch. Uh you know, Eric Roberts, Brooke Shields, Annie Potts, there's a lot of a lot of names in here. Um this was uh I didn't know what to expect. Uh when you look at the cover, 
Um, it's very. Uh, it, it's hard. I don't even know. I didn't even know when it was supposed to take place or anything. Mm-hmm. And honestly, when I first looked at it, I thought he was holding a sword or something. Yeah, the big red thing. The it almost red. looks like he's got a sword. Right. Uh, lightsaber. Right. <laughs> he's holding a lightsaber. The light. The king of the Jedi gypsies. Um, there's two things I really like about this. Um, I mean, there's a lot of things I like about it, but two things I really like. Um, I really like um, the focus on his character and his, I guess, being very reluctant to uh, take part in this society, this uh, mm-hmm. culture. Um, uh, and I like the you know the balance between his normal li- normal life and the I guess the normal everyday life of the gypsies. Um, and I like that the this particular lifestyle, this way of life is was explained as it was. I thought they did a good job. I mean, not that I know anything about really other than this, but this I guess was my education and the 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 way that um it was explained about, you know, fortune telling and living as a caravan and uh, constantly moving around and not having birth certificates and that kind of thing. I thought it was pretty neat and uh um cool a cool look at that so um the um <laughs> there's a the, the scene at the beginning uh th- where uh there's like a um a dispute of sorts settled by these elderly guys and this is still at a time when the gypsies could live in tents and stuff um i, I guess it was supposed to probably be in the 40s maybe 50s early 50s maybe yeah, the um basically there's a kidnapping and uh a car chase. And I was wondering, I was like, so uh, we were learning about all these gypsy traditions in law. Is, is another tradition um, to chase fleeing cars only on foot? <laughs> you know. So, um, Sarandon, yeah, I talked about her a little bit. She's a rail in this movie. Um, she's not in the movie from the get-go. She's a, a character that is a little older. Um, but she was really, really good in it when she was in it. Um I, th- I liked everybody's accents. I, you know, I never kn- knew exactly what those would sound like, but I guess it's kind of like a, almost like a Brooklyn kind of thing mm-hmm. they have going on. Um, and I, it does take place in New York City, right? Uh, well, uh, there, there, it yeah. was. I believe they said it was filmed in New Jersey. Okay, but okay. a lot of the, um, like the the some of the pl- when, like. Uh, um, Sterling Hayden's uh, character, one of his big things was the ruin of all, of everything is uh, 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 private property. And so they would, you know, like you said, he said at one time, you know, you used to be able to just stop anywhere and pitch a tent. And mm-hmm. They had their uh, their little trailer caravans or whatever. And uh, and that's they would just live like that. But then when, you know, every all the property started getting owned and everything, uh, uh, there was one part where they. It seemed like they were almost living in a like squatters in a um, a condemned building, yeah. Uh, and it almost I, I had mentioned something uh, off the air about uh, the movie Night of the Juggler, and uh, in that section where they were living in, it looked like New York in the uh, early seventies, where it was just almost looked like bombed out Berlin. The buildings yeah. were just crumbling, and you know, just a real slum. But uh, I think I think in that in that case I think it was supposed to be in New York. Okay. But like I said, you know, they're they're travelers and you know, gypsies or and they're not pikers, but you know, pikers are gypsies of Irish descent. Uh, 
they but they 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 just traveled all over everywhere and they you know these travelers actually even exist today yeah. and they you know like 60 minutes and stuff have done uh, you know exposés on them you know like hey when they these people come to your house and stuff and say hey we can fix your chimney we can do this we can do it. don't do it you know cuz they're <laughs> they're con people and you know they'll rip you off but uh yeah i think like you said with the accent i think but it was like a you know, kind of a New York, Boston kind of a yeah, amalgamation, and North and then kinda. you had the um, the Russian slash Romanian kind of a thing where some of them, you know, the older ones would kind of talk a little bit more like that. Yeah, like uh, and and, and uh, we can go that, to that with uh, Sterling Hayden. I, I, his character was really cool. The um, he was a uh, very uh, out outgoing, I guess. Yeah, um, always had this big medallion and his big fat gold ring and his cane and his big hat big beard and, and his big beard. So, um, which he, he had, uh, the, I mean, in, later on in his life, he had that beard all the time. Yeah, it looked like it de- definitely looked like his. It looked a little fake at the beginning, but I think they, I think he was already gray yeah. at this point, and they colored it. Yeah, they made it the black scenes. <laughs> so it looked. At, he kept a hat on, and you could tell like his hair on the head was a little bit different colored than the beard, but yeah. Um, they did a good job, and I don't know if it was smart filming or good makeup or what, but the they don't do a lot of close-ups on him. Um, mm-hmm. There's, like, you know, from the waist up and stuff shots, and then as he ages through the movie, you get more close-ups of him, and you can really, mm-hmm. like, you really get a good sense. Like, everybody's aged well yeah. in this movie. Um, you know, with, well, obviously with Eric Roberts, because he's only, by the end of the movie, a teenager, but right. the... Um, but with with characters who were the same actor plays the entire movie, I think they at least makeup wise did a really good job of mm-hmm. showing the age and stuff like that. Um, One part they I thought that was, uh, and this might just be me, but the uh, the casting of the young Judd Hirsch, mm-hmm. the, the the I mean I was like this kid that they picked looks like fucking Judd Hirsch <laughs> except he's a kid, you know, yeah. Rafo. Yep. Yep, uh, what a jerk that guy is. Yeah, yeah he he was. Uh, I wouldn't think. Now I may be wrong because you know it was a different time, but I don't think he would be put up for Father of the Year <laughs> at <laughs> no. any moment. You know, from his birth. No, and he that's a, a it's a a frustrating part of the of the story, definitely. And you could see you could see the why um, Eric Roberts' character you know ends up where he does. Just. It, it's a it's a it's an unwinnable situation that he's put in. Um, even uh, and they do a good job, I think, of showing you know even from childhood the way he's I guess even just used to just promote or not to promote to um, co- perpetuate their lifestyle. Um, right. Everybody, nobody wants to stay legit. Um, I guess just that's just the way that this you know this group is. Mm-hmm. Um, well, but, Jesus, what, what the, she was telling the little boy. That Jesus, um, they were talking about Jesus on the cross or whatever, and the gypsy came and stole one of the the nails. Yeah, yeah. And so Jesus looked down on him and told all the gypsies that it was okay for gypsies to steal. You know, Jesus said it was okay. Yeah, the uh, I mean, there's a there's a cool scene with uh, the a di- in, a di- in a jewelry store, and um, <laughs> the the kid becomes the mule, I guess. But yeah. Uh, it shows a, the, a good parenting 101. She she feeds this poor kid until he can't help but shit on a pot. 
And it's like, <laughs> and you hear the diamond actually hit the pot. And then, uh, <laughs> and then instead of giving this poor kid a bath who's just shit himself, basically, they just drop him on a sheet of newspaper and have a party and start dancing. Well, they like to party, man. That's oh, the, one thing I put down is, man, I bet you these people would be fun to party with. Yeah, the, uh, the, the dance guy, um, yeah. you, got, you know who that is. I, I, don't, I don't know the actor, but. I thought, I thought that was a cool thing that they would do every once in a while. It was always the same guy, it looked like. It was this guy yeah, it was the same guy. With a mustache, and he would just break out and dance. At Even at funerals and everything. Funerals yeah. and everything. He would always be standing on the side. People would walk by him, and he's always well shot. You know, it's all of a sudden, it, like, it would be a pan shot, and then there, there'd be dancing guy. They were dancing on a grave or dancing in the street or something, and he's a good dancer. So that's probably just how he was picked up. Somebody saw him doing his thing like that guy would be good to be a gypsy dancer so um yeah the uh, this is a little thing there's a there's a scene with um sterling hayden doing like making a deal with a judge and um i don't know if it was intentional or not but the judge is like pissed because it, 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 you'll notice all through the movie the gypsies always travel in these huge groups and just like hang out everywhere it's like yeah there's a, a hospital scene and there's like 80 people like outside and inside in the hallway. And, but there's this, you know, the courtroom is just overflowing. The judge is getting all up, upset, frustrated, and he's pounding on his, whatever the little um, pedestal that they hit a, on a, with a gavel mm. and fucking breaks the, <laughs> the little pedestal that, breaks in half. <laughs> I think that's almost, that it's almost like a, a strategy when they bring all those people, <laughs> they just, they just like overwhelm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then people are at their wits end and they get their way. You know, yep. they're like, just get the fuck out of here. You know, you got all these, you know, I wanted to say hunkies because I'm Hungarian and, and I could relate to a lot of the stuff. That went on. <laughs> yeah. The way the people dressed and, you know, the older people and stuff like that. I'm like, Oh my God, we weren't gypsies, but uh, you know, uh, you would boy. never, uh, <laughs> <laughs> You, ne you never would expect it in a movie like this, but there's actually some good stunt work in it. I don't know if it, uh, whoever was P Eric Roberts' stunt man, I feel sorry for him because he took a couple. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Well, Eric Roberts took one of them. There's a, him and his girlfriend are ice skating, and he falls and he bashes the shit out of his head on the ice. He yeah. had yeah. to have been, felt like shit after that because well, he hit that, hard. The, the egg thing. The egg thing? When he, he does the. Uh... When, like the part where he's he's uh, in the grocery store. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh god, he falls like that. That was him too, wasn't it? Yeah. And, yeah. and the thing is, I when I first saw that, I thought to myself, you know, but but you know, nowadays they have cameras everywhere, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. so you could get away with it. But my god, what a con! You could you could have made you know. <sighs> Definitely. Why am I thinking that? It's, yeah. it's, it's the truth. And you you don't really feel sorry for a lot of the. I mean. He's really one of the only, uh, I guess, characters you're going to feel sorry for in the movie. But just because he realizes the lifestyle is just not ideal and is trying to trying to break out of it. And well, I think he had he had they absolutely refused, and they were told not. They were told this is the way we are, and this is the way you're supposed to live. They brainwashed the kids from the time they're kids, yeah. and he actually had gotten away from them. So he had went out, and so he's like, you know, this is wrong. We yep. shouldn't be doing this. And and you know, he had a, you know, I don't want to see a you know, white Caucasian girlfriend because they're uh, a wasp, yeah. you know, girlfriend or whatever. And uh, but they just, you know, they were totally against that. They're like, you know, and even though they're criminals, that's it's. Um, <sighs> 
it's just everybody was raised to be that way and they're trying it's even though they're criminals it you you almost kind of feel for them because they're trying to keep their um their their traditions and everything together so i mean you admired that a little bit even though their traditions totally just like walk on yeah rights of other people but it's Jesus a, it's told a, him it was okay. So yeah, it's a it's a line that's definitely uh I guess a like maybe a tightrope even, um, that's dis, like explored throughout the film. The um, you know going one way or going the other. Um, you know the importance and the obligations to family versus what you feel like is right and right. Um, you know when you I thought this was going to be going in like a like a Godfather type story like a passing the flame on to this new guy who's going to be doing things a different way, but it, it really isn't because... Well, but, you know, honest that, that you said that, when this came out, um, I believe, if I remember correctly, seeing, you know, the, the things in the paper and when they would talk about it, they, try, they almost kind of tried to market it like that. And I think that's, to me, if I remember, that's kind of the reason that it kind of failed. Because they thought, you know, they even said... You know, for the the you know, all, like basically even said in the advertisements, you know, if you like the Godfather, the Godfather, the Godfather, the Godfather, and they kind of tried to 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 get a rub off the Godfather for this, and then when people went to see it, they're like, well, wait a minute, this is you know, not quite if the it, same. If yeah. it was stood on its own, though, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, it has it explores some def- similar themes, you know, with mm-hmm. certain people thinking they are need to be the king. And uh, maybe getting, you know, overlooked for someone else for whatever reason. And um, the, uh, you know, I like, I, I just like the, I like the ultimate resolution or maybe even lack of one, but mm-hmm. I, I, I like where they, where they kept it. He didn't become, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to spoil anything, but mm-hmm. the, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I could keep going on. The um, I, you know, I thought Annie Potts was really cute in it. Mm. Uh, the um, I, I liked her character. Um, she had a lot of kids already, but I, I don't think they really explored where, like, where she fit in. I know he knew her from some point in his life, but I like the I like when her character fits in and adds a, I guess a grounded view, of the lifestyle still, mm. and mm-hmm. um, he can always return to her as kind of like a. Return to sanity, I guess. Well, then, seem like, you know, he had that waspy girlfriend, and then he just went over when something happened to him, and he went to Annie Potts's place. He must not have cared too much for the other girl because it didn't take too much convincing for him to uh, stop Annie Potts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, well acted, really, really, really nicely acted. Uh, you know, decently shot, and like I was saying about the the stunt man. There's some there's some hard hits in this movie. Somebody had some bruises after mm-hmm. this one, like especially walking out in front of that car. Jesus Christ! Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, I'll let you uh, I'll let you take it from here and tell me what well, you thought too. I had a couple of things. Uh, King Zarko Stepanowitz, which was Sterling Hayden. Uh, you know, he was pretty pretty impressive guy, which Sterling Hayden was anyway, because he was like about six foot six. You know, great big guy, and. Uh, but he had that voice, and he talked like this, and she, you know, uh, we're gonna go do it this way. And uh, but he he didn't have a lot of cooth or about some of the stuff that he said. <laughs> some of the things he said, you know, some some of the the one-liners, and uh, you know, um, 
since when did since when did like and not like have anything to do with marriage? And um, he was uh, talking to um, young uh, Grafo, who was the young Judd Hirsch. And uh, it was kind of like a, they had like the arranged marriage deal, which, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, Eastern European mm-hmm. or, you know, a lot of a lot of the old cultures. They had the arranged marriage from the time you were a kid and everything. And uh, he looks over and he goes, what are you worried about? Look at her out there. She's got a nice little ass on her. <laughs> I my, like my dad looking at like one of my girlfriends or something and saying, look at her out there. She's got a nice little ass on her. And they, you know, my dad. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, and then and the, the part where this that poor bastard with the diamond, when he's just like, "I just want to know where my diamond is," and just Hayden is just right there in his face, just cracking like, <laughs> he's like, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> they fucked Zarko like a three dollar whore, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> he he was getting screwed or whatever. And um, the, at one point, uh, he, um. Sterling Hayden was he say what you wanted about him when it came to the to the kids especially David I mean he treated him more like a son or he was you know a very affectionate grandfather towards yeah. him whereas Judd Hirsch was just a real bastard you know he he drank a lot and it was kind of like the um the son that uh maybe tried too hard to he he was in the shadow of this great man yeah. Sterling Hayden and he could never live up to he'd always hear about you know Zako Stepanowitz blah 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 and so he w- he became like a buffoon he drank a lot and everything and they said at one point that you know he he just took it too far and he became a clown and at this one party uh, Jed Hurst starts dancing around and like he's really drunk and he's dancing around they have this big beautiful <laughs> uh, uh, roasted pig on this table because they'd had these big feasts any anything to have a party they said you know (laughs) and he's dancing around he gets up on the table and he's jumping back and forth over top of this pig and he falls down face first and passes out laying on top of the pig and all i thought was judd hirsch really looks like andy kaufman (laughs) laying on top of that pig (laughs) um let's see um another uh zarko stepanowitz one-liner is uh, uh, if you're five and you don't know if your parents are lying to you, you're a retard. <laughs> you know, which you know, I don't know. Back, you know, with that, with those people, uh, it was all about lying, and yeah, they were yeah. taught from early age. You know, the the con and the uh, you know the art of the score and everything. Um, Groffo uh, apparently um, wasn't big on paying parking tickets because he had like one thousand two hundred forty three parking tickets at one time. <laughs> And it uh, only like, it only equaled six thousand dollars. Six thousand dollars. My my wife and I got a parking ticket the other day. It was it's twenty bucks just for yeah. being too long for. We were over by eighteen minutes. Yeah, uh, you, you know, back in the like the early set or you know, I, well, the, the, I know one one continuity thing was that um um. Brooke Shields was born in this one in this one part, you know, with her big bushy freaking eyebrows, uh, and she's a kid. She's pretty young in this movie, yeah. But she's born, and then uh, and, and uh, uh, David, uh, Eric Roberts, at this one point is, um, how do you think he was toward the end? It was hard to tell. I was thinking, I don't know, like early twenties. Early twenties, because if 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 he was born at the beginning, which was in like say the early fifties, and then this is supposed to be like in the early seventies, yeah, 
So yeah, and and then uh, but like Brooke Shields' character like didn't age. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. She, yeah. she probably should have been older because uh, she looks she kind of like a little you know like a little girl. And um, now, uh, the the Annie Potts said something kind of funny because they were arranging a marriage. Uh, they were going to Susan Sarandon was part of the first arranged marriage that was kind of like broken up or whatever, um, or no, not broken up. Uh, but then later on, the next generation had their arranged marriage, and Annie Potts was talking about the um, the uh, would be groom's mother and said the only good thing the mother's got is a Betamax. Uh, <laughs> pretty funny. Uh, there were several times where you, you got to see like the whole clan together in the hospital or whatever. And I thought to myself, you know, loaf would probably fit right in because with the hats and the uh, mustaches, <laughs> there were some bushy mustaches there. My hair is probably the wrong color, but other than that, I you would know, blend right in. You could pass. Uh, <laughs> you could be a jippo. Uh, and the last thing I had, uh, this was just something I noticed uh, at, uh, they had like a, um, like I said, they, they, they showed um, these big scenes, like at the beginning, they had the big scene where they were at the gypsy camp, and uh, then they had like a, a big scene where they'd be having a big party, then the big scene where they're all at the at the courthouse, or a big scene where at the hospital, and then mm-hmm. this big scene at a, at a funeral. And uh, at the funeral, um, Shelley Winters, who was uh, Zarko Stepanowicz's wife, is walking Along with the big group to the to the grave, and she looked like Sam Kennison. <laughs> she did, and, yeah, yes, she did. with the like her headband thing made her definitely, and her build. And, well, and I saw this. Uh, of course, back when I saw it, we didn't have the internet. You know, you can look everything up on IMDb. And I really, maybe I didn't pay attention because I was a kid, and I didn't pay attention to the credits. I never knew Shelley Winters was in this. So, you know, when I read the thing, I was like, oh, yeah, Shelly Winters and then, well, Sam Kinison. But uh, that's that's about all I have. I um, I liked the um, – my big thing and kind of like why I've always kind of stuck with this movie is it, I just think it's an interesting uh, concept uh, because not – at least I didn't know anything about this culture. Right. You, know, you always heard about gypsies, uh, you know. But you thought about fortune gypsy. My grandma used to go to the gypsy fortune teller and stuff like that. And but I and but I didn't know anything about them. And from what the stuff that I've read and movies that I've seen and everything, this is, it seems to be a pretty accurate uh, portrayal of these you know right. travelers. And um, so I, I that was the main thing that interested me. And like I said, Eric Roberts uh, uh, for. Um, being a young guy and this being his first role and, and him pretty much carrying, you know, the, the movie, he was the, the, uh, you know, the protagonist throughout the whole movie. Uh, I thought he did a really good job and I thought Judd Hirsch was just exceptional. Yeah. Because he was, he was really good. Like he, he's always played kind of a pathetic character at least in what little I've seen him in, but never, it's usually like, uh, you feel you know, sympathy for this pathetic character. This was just, he was just a bastard. Yeah. And, and, but what the, my main thing with him was, um, the two things that I had seen him in, um, that I know him most from, uh, is, uh, he was the psychiatrist in ordinary people. Mm -hmm. And I think he got either an Academy award or an Academy award nomination for that, uh, with, uh, that's the Robert Redford movie with 
Timothy Hutton married Tyler Moore. Um, and he was this, the, uh, Timothy Hutton's psychiatrist. Uh, and he was, so he was a, he was a good guy in that. And from the show taxi and he was always a Alex Rieger. He was always a nice guy in that. And then you watch this and you're like, God, you know, this guy can act because he's, he's a, he's a dick and he's really pulling it off. And he was just kind of like a, 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 the bully. Like even when he was, he said, yeah, come here. Yeah. You don't want to go over that <laughs> to that. Um, uh, I can't remember what they called just the regular people. I can't remember either. You don't want to go and over to that school. They'll teach you a bunch of – and they would scare the kids from – like they'd say, if you go over there with those kids, they're, they're, they'll, they'll beat you to death. They'll beat you up and everything. So they keep the kids scared. You know, you don't want to mix with those people. And he gets this little boy and the sister and he, and he, and he says, come over. And now they would live in tents and in little – what they call you know a caravan or a little – small little trailers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then toward the end, like I said, they, they, they were staying at first. I thought, okay, they have this shitty apartment, but then when things are going down and someone's being kind of chased, this is a condemned building. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's giant holes in the wall and there's no roof. I mean, it's probably, it might be 10 stories high, but when you get to the top, the roof's like caved in and everything. Um, I really, I really liked that scene. I thought it was really effective, but with yeah. the way they don't, they don't do a lot of like music. It's not. Like what makes it a tense scene is that it's just so straightforward. There's not a lot of grandstanding. There's not a lot of anything. It just fucking happens, and you're like, wow. Well, when they're sitting in the apartment, um, Groffo and his guys, and they're sitting there drinking and like playing cards or whatever, and then you hear this sound. Mm-hmm. This, you know, and the look on their face, the look on his face is like, Oh shit, you know, or like, <laughs> fuck, what was that? And then when they realize what it is, it's like, let's get the fuck out of here. You know? <laughs> um, but um, I, I, I liked, I liked, I like I said, Sterling Hayden, the killing, and uh, you know, Doctor Strange Love, and just about at, at the Godfather, where yeah. he plays the corrupt police captain and everything. I've always liked him. Um, uh, he has a, uh, he's a fantastic writer. Uh, if you get a chance and you know you want to read a good book, read the uh, uh, Wanderer. Uh, he was a ship's captain, and uh, he loved to sail. He was like, in real life, he was like you know, a man of the sea, and he liked to go out sea and uh, and uh, take it, take the boat out and uh, sea and go travel around the world. And uh, there's <laughs> some clips of him being interviewed by a French, um, a French, uh, some French filmmakers on uh, YouTube. And uh, he had some problems with the IRS and getting divorced and owing alimony and stuff. And he decided to get his kids. And he said, you know what? Uh, I'm going to – they're my kids and I'm going to take them. And uh, he has a, a boat, a sailboat and uh, with a crew. And they went and sailing like you know around the Cape Horn of South America and shit like that. He's a, he was a OSS uh, – uh, in the OSS, which was the precursor for the CIA, but mm-hmm. they were the guys that went behind the lines and did demolitions and stuff like that in World War II. Oh, so right, he's a right. really, really interesting guy. Like him a lot. Brooke Shields, yeah, yeah. She was, she was in this. You know, she was in it. And uh, her eyebrows are so bushy. It's, it's, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's disturbing. But um, like I said, I. This movie, I've got it on VHS, and I had to dust it off this morning. Uh, one thing about the uh, other movie we reviewed, um, King of the Mountain, and, and I said I liked the race uh, with Dennis Hopper and uh, Harry Hamlin at the end. There was only one race that was greater 
than that race uh, today, and that was me watching both of these movies <laughs> before we reviewed them today, <laughs> because uh, it, it was a it was a it was a uh, photo finish too that I got it done, you know. But uh, if I wasn't dragging my feet watching the watching Lonely or the Brave, <laughs> well, at least that gave me some time to regroup because I was like, okay, I'm done, you know. Uh, but um, I like this movie. Like I said, I think they kind of. Um, I think they kind of marketed it wrong. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you look at the poster and you really don't know what to think. Here's Eric Roberts. He almost looks like Vlad Dracula or something yeah. holding this uh, medallion and with the, with the lightsaber or whatever the hell that, <laughs> that red thing is that's going up out of his hand. It looks like a lightsaber. But anyway, um, <laughs> I, um, I think that people are starting to discover this movie. Or that that haven't before because I think it's become like a cult movie, you know. Yeah. I, I I know Will watched. It. I recommended it to him and he watched it and I think I think he liked it. So cool. Yeah. I I, um, I guess the highlights for me um, were uh, well. We'll go ahead and get into the scoring. The um, I, I really liked uh, Sterling Hayden. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Eric Roberts was definitely solid. Um, and I'm a sucker. Like I said, for. Um, you know, films where like hard ass guys are all of a sudden you know, behaving like kids, like being boys again. Mm-hmm. I'm also a sucker for, um, dad drama in movies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why I just, um, if there's ever a scene where, I mean, ever, ever a moment where there's, um, two conflicted son and father coming together and mm-hmm. having a moment that gets me or a scene where they should be together, but they just fucking hate each other or whatever that, like, yeah. that, that always gets me too. So, um, I like that aspect of it a, uh, quite a bit. So, um, I would give this film. Let's see. Uh, let's go. We're gonna go seven point seven five out of ten. Mm. Um, really well acted, like I said, and uh, not what I thought it was going to be. So um, it's it was more it was more subtle than I thought it was going to be, mm-hmm. um, and the story just kind of went in a different direction than I thought. So, like I said, I thought it was going to be a Godfather type story, but yeah, yeah with with a, a more um, I guess less less light shown on them kind of people. So, Right. Um, I, like I said, it's, it's kind of an old favorite of mine. Um, I, I would give it a solid eight. Um, I, I like it. I like Eric Roberts, uh, anything, you know, with Sterling Hayden, but I thought he was good in this. Uh, the scene um, in the, um, in the hospital. I, uh, I like that scene. Um uh, like I said, Judd Hirsch was just excellent, and I, I just the whole gypsy culture thing was what I, I really, really liked. I like how they kind of explored and showed, you know, their traditions and how they bring the kids up that way. And yep. you know, the, like I said, the girls are the ones that are important because they're the ones that make the money, the breadwinners, and this right, and that right. and everything. And uh, I liked it. So you know, it's it's. Uh, it's on my. I don't even know if it's available. Is it available on DVD or not? I like I said. I know I picked up a a VHS copy of it, and uh, that's what I watched this morning. Yeah, it's on um, on Netflix, right? Is it? I don't, well, I, I have trouble looking at Netflix because of my issues with the DVD thing. So, mm-hmm. but um, but yeah, um, there we go. I know King of the Mountain is not available no, on no, no. on DVD at all, and you can pick up a crappy copy. Uh, uh, VHS every once in a while, and it's kind of expensive, but uh, you know, but there's other ways. 
Right. <laughs> yeah, King of the Gypsies is on Netflix. Not on Instant though. So. Um. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there we go. We got a cool. we got an eight. We got a seven point seven five. Like that one quite a bit. So uh, we're gonna you take even get King of the Gypsies on uh, Amazon right now for a dollar and ninety two cents. There you go. I I would I would actually recommend getting that. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a solid film. So. Um, we're going to take another break and we'll come back, wrap things up, do some feedback and that'll be it. Rock and roll. We'll be right back. If you're enjoying this podcast, perhaps you'd be interested in GleeCast. You watch your tone, young lady. Hey, we're not forcing you to download the internet's best, or at least most booze-filled podcast about Glee. You want to be me. Who doesn't, Sue? But we know we can't be. Instead, Erica and Emily. Uh, Emily and Erica. Who am I? I just don't know anymore. I'd love to stay in chat, but I got a satellite interview. Sorry, we get off topic a lot. The point is, listen to GleeCast following every new episode of Glee. Plus, our sporadic bonus content on some of the greatest bad cinema that incorporates musical theater or sweet dance moves going to ask you to smell your armpits the right or the left that's the smell of failure failure smells like dove mine has a pleasant lady speed stick scent kind of makes me think of candy cane your resentment is delicious visit gleecast.podomatic.com or search for us in the itunes store that's gleecast with a k part of the palaver.com family that's p-a-l-a-v-r.com boy the only thing missing from this place is a couple dozen bodies limed and rotting in shallow graves under the floorboards we're working on that Welcome back, everybody. We uh, got a little uh, feedback here. King of the Surf. I was rocking out there, jamming out with my clam out. Oh, wait. Whoa. Whoa, what happened? Clam um, bake. Clam bake. <laughs> I can't do that noise. I'm a little bit of love, clam bake, clam bake. I'm a little bit of love, clam bake, too. Classic voicemail there. Yeah. Yeah. I've got to break out that LP, but I don't have a turntable. I think I'll just sit it on the top of my penis. And what could I use for a needle? Well, probably the top of my penis. <laughs> okay. Uh, we got a couple of emails here. Uh, I guess I can read these. Um, we got one. Some feedback for episode two from Insidious Monk. Says, uh, Loaf and Zom, congrats on the new podcast. Together with the gentleman, you've been making the past few work weeks go by even faster. The No Holds Barred coverage was particularly fa- hilarious. At the end of your in- review of Jackson County Jail in episode two, you mentioned that the DVD might come out, oh, sorry, that might be a little difficult to track down and seem to be a bit pricey on Amazon. I just wanted to point out that the movie was re-released earlier this year by Shout Factory in a sexy new Roger Corman double feature containing both Jackson County Jail and Caged Heat. Yes. Oh. This is readily available at Amazon and other retailers for around 16 bucks. Also, mm. you can count me in on the Mila Jovovich Love Bus. 
Here he goes on. Yeah. Too much magic bus. <laughs> I was instantly smitten back in 92 when I saw her dancing around her underwear in the movie Cuffs. <laughs> I would have to disagree with James Mitchum, a.k.a. Sammy, who called in and, w- and compared Mila to a, a 12-year-old boy. She's definitely no Tilda Swinton. <laughs> He's a 12-year-old boy. David Bowie lover. <laughs> David Bowie lover. Anyway, thanks for the great. Or thanks for the show, guys. I just put great in there. Uh, I look for. I look forward oh. to many oh. more reviews, recommendations, and wrestling impersonations. Insidious Monk. P.S. Zom's thread on the Palaver forums is in desperate need of more dildos. Dildo. Dildos. You dropped your dildo. That's for Emily. She's constantly dropping her deal, though. Um, how come this show makes everybody else's work week go faster, but it mine isn't going faster? My fucking work week is every day. Shit. <laughs> the um, man, now you don't even have to do nothing except sit back and get on all the people, all the work, all the working men like uh, Big Bill Shelley. You'll probably have a couple of Pinkerton detectives following you around, making all the workers clean up the popcorn and all the shit off the floor, daddy. Just like I made the junkyard dog do it, daddy. Down <laughs> the Omni in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, I got nothing to add to that one. <laughs> oh, cool. Um, thanks, Insidious Monk. Um, new do. listener. Yeah, there we go. New Every, listener. Everybody's a new listener. Even me. Um, we got me another- I'm, our, I'm our biggest fan. Zom is our biggest fan. Um, I don't really like the show that much, so. I listen. Honest to God, I'm so pathetic. I've heard Sammy say, you know, I don't listen to our show. Blah blah blah. blah. Well, I hate to say it, but I'm a mark for myself. I'm a mark for the sound of my own voice. In case you haven't figured that out already, BB. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I do not actually. Uh, my I haven't listened to the show yet. Only uh, I, I listen to it slightly when editing. Um, but other than that, I haven't listened to it. We're funny. We're fucking hilarious. <laughs> Snidely. Shave my pubes. They're getting a little bit wild here. <laughs> oh, All right. Did that go over the air? Uh, no, I left it out. You're good. All right. No more no pubes talks. Okay, we're going to hit record now. All right, now we have another email here from uh, Rach on Film. Oh, Rach. Oh, Rach. Uh, she says, hey, Dr. Zom and Mr. Pickleloaf. It is Rach on film from GOF Radio, Girls on Film Radio. Look them up on iTunes. She says, I can't roll my R's. I'm very jealous of people who can. It's something that will always be missing from my bad attempts at South African accents. See, that's weird because here you consider it's a Spanish or Hispanic accent. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, uh, that's unusual that... Oh, I guess it's just different that somebody from Australia considers the South African to be the R-rolling accent. So. For some reason, women love when you can roll your R's. A-R-A. Comes uh, in handy sometimes. Go ahead. She says, Anywho, love the show. Love it. Love the music as well. Um, I'm emailing because I haven't gotten my shit together quick enough to send you a voicemail. But I will. I wanted to say that I watched a movie. Hmm, that's some good feedback. Oh, wait, there's more. It was a Zom recommendation, <laughs> a Zomendation, if you will. And she says we can use that if we like. She's not even trademarking it. Um, it's called Stone, and I loved it. I thought it was kind of an Australian giallo. It had blood, boobs, dark brown gloves. Ooh, I got a few of those. Oh, wait. Uh, she said Dark brown cl- boobs or gloves? Jar- I love dark brown boobs, but this is dark brown gloves. Mm. Um 
It also had a crazy dude screaming, Satan! Yes. Loved. Also, I watched Hobo with a Shotgun, Zom's favorite movie. I liked it, but, but in the... Speaking of brown gloves. I liked it, but in the way, I liked Repo the Genetic Opera. Actually, that's not true. I preferred Repo. It had singing. I thought it was fun, but I don't know how many times I'll be able to watch it before it irritates me. I think it was missing the really cool guy. I beg to differ. <laughs> you know, the cool guy. Sometimes he's a villain. Sometimes he's in the middle ground. In Drive Angry, it was William Fitchner. William Fitchner was pretty awesome in Drive Angry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's awesome in everything. In, in Repo, it was the narrator. I haven't seen Repo. Um, and in Drive Angry, the cast was relaxed into the roles and just having as much fun as possible. In Hobo, most of the acting was really forced, painfully forced. So I guess I'm saying I liked it, but if I'm in the mood for modern <laughs> exploitation, I'll probably watch Drive Angry. Heh, fuck tube. Heh, heh, heh. Huggles, rach. You got anything to add? Um, Rage plus Zom equals awesome. <laughs> I concur. She's um, the shit, man. She is the shit. I was just listening to their uh, the episode before last uh, of theirs this week um, where they were talking about um, a uh, they, they mentioned a German word that means punch in the face a face that needs to be punched yes i I looked up that word and i work with a german guy who has verified well sort of i actually stumped him because i was like i need a german word that means a face that needs to be punched and he's like uh and he had no idea so i looked up i did some googling and um and then i and then i actually got on the computer after googling and uh did a search for um for whatever and found the 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 word is and I'm going to slaughter it here because I, I, I have a shitty German, but it's Backpfeifengeschicht. And yes. literally translated means, loose, well, loosely translated means, uh, it's like Backpfeifen is like to box someone's ears or to slap someone in the ears and then mm-hmm. Geschicht is face. Um, so, yeah, Backpfeifengeschicht is a, a face that needs to be punched. And I wish we had a noun for that here. So we it seems like Jessica, as there's a consensus over there that Jessica Alba's ears need to be boxed, her face needs to be punched, <laughs> and she needs to be uh, she needs to uh, be put out of the uh, the uh, world of professional wrestling and movies. Yeah. I I don't like I. That's all I right. Just, uh, she can just go f- fly as a kite. <laughs> all right. So, um, but yeah, thanks for uh, thanks. That for was the German. Coverage. Lies the kite. Oh, it sounded just like it. I thought I thought a German had taken over your uh, your mic for a second there. That is richtig. <laughs> All right, so uh, you heard his uh, heard his uh, his uh, sorry promo earlier for Paleo Cinema. We got a, a little voicemail here from a from Terry Frost. So uh, here's mm-hmm. the here's some voicemail. Hey, freaks and groovers, it's Terry here from Paleo Cinema Podcast. And I've got to say congratulations on, on getting your podcast together, guys. Really, really happy that you've done it. And uh, and kind of bringing the wonderfulness that both of you bring to other podcasts to your very own little corner of the universe. So very, very cool that you guys are doing this stuff. And give yourself about three or four months to settle into it too and, and work out exactly how things go. So don't stress too much if it sounds to you. Not to me, but to you. It sounds a bit like shit. shit it's a start. You'll, go, you'll get there. Anyway, let's have a look through the episodes. So, yeah, um, let's have a look. You guys have covered a movie that was the very first 
kind of what we call in Australia R-rated movies that I ever saw. Boxcar Bertha from 1972, which I didn't appreciate the socials, you know, kind of depression era subtext or anything like that. What I appreciated was the nudity because I was a horny <laughs> teenager at the time and I saw that in a double feature at the old Regal Cinema in Liverpool, New South Wales with Slaughter with Jim Brown, which um, had the virtue of having a topless scene by Stella Stevens, yeah. which is still has a place in my heart. Let's put it that way. So good on you for covering <laughs> that. And, um, yeah, Hobo with a Shotgun, I kind of liked it. Um, I, I realised what it was trying to do, and I think it was trying too hard to do it. But I think Rutger Howe really kind of brought his A-game to this one for some odd reason. And I actually cool mentioned character. Hobo with a Shotgun when I was doing my radio gig for the ABC in Darwin, and we were covering Blade Runner <laughs> last week. So I thought I'd throw in a Hobo with a Shotgun reference just to add to my street cred. But, uh, yeah, Fabio Testi's an odd actor, isn't he? I mean, you guys have done four of the Apocalypse starring Fabio Testi. Sounds like an Italian venereal disease to me. <laughs> so I'm going to have to check that out. Everybody keeps telling me to check out the Johnny Toe stuff as well, so I'm going to have to hip myself to some of that gear as well. So, um, yeah, but uh, I've been watching too much that's interesting lately in the, um, in the groovy cult movie kind of um, area. But, anyway, I'm enjoying the show. And keep it up. Uh, you guys will, will get there. It's really a fantastic show. And, um, you know, just be yourselves. You'll be right. And it'll come good. And uh, anything I can do to help, let me know. Okay? Well, take care. And um, I'll catch you guys later. Send money. Send money. Lots of money. Australian money. Not that, yeah, I was going to say not that not that Australian money because that's not well, worth anything, is it? Yeah, but is our money worth anything? I oh, just uh, bought a Tootsie Roll that cost like about $10. Uh, <laughs> we're getting a lot. We got a lot of, we got a, we got a large fan base in Australia. We got the Aussies, Aussies on yeah. board. I like yes, it. Yes, Terry Frost, we're the really, main man, BB. Definitely going to have to do, maybe we'll do a double with uh, like Australian directors or something. We don't have to do a, Nah, we don't have to do a Trenchard Smith double. Throw a Trenchard Smith and then maybe. Trenchard. Trenchard. I'll tell you what. Um, Girls on Film podcast, Paleo Cinema podcast. You can't go wrong with either one. Two totally different kinds of podcasts. With Paleo Cinema, you're getting an education. With Girls on Film, you're going to. Be laughing your ass off because I'm telling you. I really thought you were going crude there. (laughs) No, 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 no. Not with my lady, baby. Not with the lady. No way. I I keep it strictly up and up on the level because they do a very good job. And I'm telling you what, and I've said I'm telling you what because I'm really tired, so I keep saying the same thing over and over. over. Um, (laughs) When Emily gets on a tear, look out. Yeah. She'll tickle your funny bone from the top of your head to the bottom of your toes, baby. And, uh, ladies, we're still waiting for your uh, your picks for us, by the way. Yeah, you know. We're going to throw on. it out there in public now. We're we're airing our dirty laundry in public. If you will. In All public. Right. Uh, we got one more voicemail from a familiar voice, Mr. Metal Mikey. I know that guy. Silver and gold, dark and loaf. Metal Mikey chiming in with some feedback. And since you both are machines in recording, I am vastly behind, and these are my thoughts on episode two. Now, Zom. 
How awesome is it that we are? We've been doing this like three weeks. And we've already got him behind. We got everybody behind. <laughs> We're churning them out, man. You know what? Let me tell you something. I'm like the behind, baby. Yes. <laughs> Joey Roberts, say? big butt. <laughs> All right, bring sorry. it, bring it, Julie. If you're listening, bring it. Bring the butt. All bring right, the sorry. butt. Bring them big teeth and that red hair, and let's go for a ride. Sorry, leave, Mikey. You, you can leave your brother at home. So, sorry, Mikey. Yeah, sorry, I wanted Mike. to give you congratulations for your <laughs> Body Snatchers episode of Hamacus. And don't worry, Loaf, I've yet to get to your recent endeavors with the Bryn himself. So I will give my thoughts to you when I hear that. And Summer Blair was brought up on the episode as a topic of discussion. Summer Blair can freely do various unmentionable and sorted things to my body. I am <laughs> just saying. <laughs> and I am actually of the pro-opinion on William Lustig's Vigilante Piccolo. I believe those that do appreciate really good, gritty, and grimy revenge cinema should really check it out. It's a whole lot of fun. Albeit, yeah, like you said, it is sort of very closely in the vein of Death Wish, but hey, I can't fault that. And finally, I think you both have turned me on to one final justice. It sounds like a very tasty <laughs> fish-lipped donut of a movie that I should check out in the future. But anyways, Piccolo and Dr. Zom, you both take it easy, and I, of course, shall look forward to talking to you again soon. And also... Bear in mind, to those that are self-conscious about speech patterns, listen to me. I'm sounding like the friggin' Midwestern representative here, the stereotypical <laughs> Midwestern representative whenever I talk. So I'm just saying, there's no worries. We are all a shared and accepting community. But anyways, you all take it easy, and I cannot wait to hear more of your show and talk to you later. All right, take it easy, guys. Bye. Thank you, Mr. Metal. If I could... I just had inspiration that I would love to write a screenplay where Metal Mikey, his father is Joe Don Baker, and his love interest in the movie would be Selma Blair, and she would like, like you know the the handy or the uh, the baby wipe thing with the butthole <laughs> that we started the show with because yeah. I like I'm, I'm bringing it right back around again. Uh, Full yeah. circle here. She would take Mikey out for a nice uh, tossed salad. And uh, maybe Joe Don would jump in there too. Oh, little, no. oh yeah, yeah, man. He's, yeah, but I mean, you know, he's old, and why not give him a thrill? Oh my God! Let that largemouth bath go to town on that itty bitty titty committee, daddy. <laughs> Wait, not if it's her dad. Uh, no, no, she's not hit. No, no. I thought no, she no. said that was Selma Blair, or is that is that Mikey's is that dad. dad? Oh, okay. It would okay. be almost like a uh, Judd Hirsch. Um, uh, Eric Roberts like relationship where he'd be like smacking Mikey around and stuff. But then when it came down to it, Mikey pulled uh, Thelma Blair at an anime convention and they started getting down. He'd tag in the Joe Don. Joe Don would come in drunk and say, Daddy, move out of the way and let me show you how it's done. I'm going to walk tall with a big stick. <laughs> oh, great. And um, Mikey would sit in the corner and be like, <laughs> right when he was getting ready, he would get a salad toss though. Oh, okay. As a consolation prize. Yeah, we we got we got to have that in there. Or 
would it be Joe Don tossing a salad? Ooh, stay tuned. This is even better than Buddy Cock. My first project. <laughs> anyway, we're going. We're just. Uh, this always devolves right here at the end. Out of control. Cool. That's our show for this week. Um, I thank you, as always, Mr. Zom. Um, well, you're welcome. Next week. What did we? What were we covering next week? Oh, that's right. <laughs> We've talked about them from the get-go. Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. Next week, we're doing a Michael Pere double feature. Ah. We've already talked about Streets of Fire a little bit in episode zero, the unofficial episode. We're going to be covering Michael Pere in Streets of Fire, and we're going to be covering Michael Pere and a few other people in Eddie and the Cruisers. Should be a popular episode with the ladies and the gents, baby. So, yeah. Eddie, Eddie. So, yeah. Um, come back next week for that. Um, in the meantime, we love the feedback and all the money. So, uh, send us uh, money to voicemail line 206. 339-1600. Speaking of which, I've got a lot of fucking junk mails in our voicemail lately. Really? Oh, it's so annoying. How do you yeah. get junk mail and voicemail? It, like, like, uh, like, oh, hi, I got your number from your website, blah, blah, blah. And like trying to sell like a whole triangle scheme kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So anyway, sorry. Voicemail 206-339-1600. We love you guys' feedback. Email at silvagoldpodcast at gmail.com. As always, you can find us on iTunes. Thanks to all our lovers out there in podcast land. Gentleman's Guide, Outside the Cinema. That's my uh, beatnik thing. Thanks. Girls on, Girls on Film Thanks, Radio, guys. as you heard from the voicemail. Um, Girls on Film, woo! My, Metal Mikey's Action Traction. Action Paleo Church. Cinema. All of our guys. Um, we love you. And uh, we will talk to you guys next week. Until then, this is Loaf Oot. Some Oot. <laughs> Eddie, Eddie.